This is Unfilter, episode 244 for July 12, 2017. As a former prosecutor, my reaction was these emails are a textbook example and evidence of criminal intent. I can almost hear the closing argument of the jury using I love it, repeating again and again, I love it. Those three words are going to haunt Donald Trump Jr. So right now, I want all of our unfiltered viewers and listeners to stand up, stretch, yep, yep, get that back part there, because, man, you're going to be in for the ride of your life this week. Welcome again to Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show, but news you shouldn't be watching. I'm Chase. There's Chris. Chris, past three days, I was off the grid. Literally. I was Up in the the mountains. I was up in the North Cascades, which is, by the way, one of the beautiful national parks that we have in this world, in this United States. And I was there, had no no reception, no nothing. I get back to civilization. And what happens on the day that I get back is a whole bunch of new emails. But hey, this time... Emails again. Are we doing this again? Emails. It feels like 2016 <laughs> all over again, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, man. welcome back. Oh, I know. You see, I, and oh, uh, I'm getting out of here. After this... I envy you. I got one more show tomorrow, and then I'm out. I'm I in Montana. I, cause, because, you know, right now, you guys... I know a lot of you love our show, and we lo- we love doing this show, but there's something to be said about being able to unplug, kind of look at things from a distance, and just remember what life is about, right? To go and, see Montana. Yeah, I would like to see it. Yeah, I, would, I, I do like seeing it. I, <laughs> I do. Would. I've seen it twice, and it's a very big state. Um, speaking of nukes, our cyber this week, because we are we have so much to get to, but let's, let's start with our cyber real ASL. quick. Just a couple of quick things here. Yeah. Uh, our cyber is all about the nukes this week. U.S. officials say tonight they sent a bulletin warning of a series of cyber attacks beginning in May on companies that run a dozen U.S. nuclear power plants. Can you stop for a yeah, real quick we'll stop second. right here. Yeah, we got, we got to. What the hell? Why are these on the Internet? Well, okay. Why? We always say this. Now, let's, but let's break this right, down. Yeah, so yeah. so we, we listen to what he actually says here in the beginning. All right. U.S. officials say tonight they sent a bulletin warning of a series of cyber attacks beginning in May on companies that run a dozen U.S. nuclear power plants. So NBC oh, News is on a mailing list, like a CERT kind of mailing list. <laughs> Seriously, that's yeah, what happened, yeah, right? And they yeah. sent out a thing saying, hey, uh, this plant had some cyber activity. Like they're on, And so then they turn and make a story out of it. And you're right, because yeah. we've always said on the unfiltered show you just unplug from the internet well stay tuned several u.s intelligence officials tell nbc news russian hackers are strongly suspected because the attacks resemble previous cyber intrusions known to have been carried out by the russians on electrical grids in other countries now that's the only the only other little bit that maybe they could have thrown in here right now is at this very moment uh russian plants are under a significant amount of attack and have been for weeks so that's sort of interesting that they're also being attacked right now. Might be worth adding to the story. Among the targets this time, U.S. officials say the Wolf Creek nuclear plant in Burlington, Kansas. How much would you have crapped if that was somewhere near us, though? I mean, oh, that I would know, have been huh? a thing, right? Yeah. The FBI and Homeland Security say the cyber attack appears to be limited to administrative and business networks, not plant controls. Okay. All right. Now, this is interesting. But once you get into their network, though, then you have access to those controls. Well. Says the intrusion had no impact on the plant because the targeted operation 
operational computer systems are completely separate from the corporate network. Oh. What do we always say? Oh. What do we always? And you know Very what? Very good. Uh, this is a this is something. Whenever right. these stories go like, oh yeah, we were attacked, but it's no big deal. It's always comma because our systems were not connected to the internet. That's always what it is. That's yeah. really the fix. It's so simple. Security experts say the hackers' goal could be a threat of a blackout. To send a message to say back off because we have the ability to strike you in the heart of your core systems. So this expert is NBC's full-time security analyst who's literally paid to say whatever the narrative of the story needs him to say. That's actually his job. And what what he's setting up here is a false story. So they go after through some sort of quote-unquote cyber attack the secretary's computer. They don't affect the control systems. They don't affect the plant in any meaningful way. They go after the secretary's computer and they're able with their expert to spin that into a cyber warning shot. To send a message to say back off because we have the ability to strike you in the heart of your core systems, your networks that matter to your economy. Except for what they're actually showing you here is they completely failed to penetrate the network in any meaningful way, didn't even take the place down for a day, didn't force staff to go home. Like like this is this was less damaging than a ransomware attack when you have good backups. <laughs> yeah. Like this was a non-story. So if that's the scary message they're sending us, I don't really think we have anything to worry about. Well, to be fair, you know, you got to pay the guy, right? So sometimes you got to come up with a story. You sure do. To, the, to fit it. He's, so. he's get, he gets a full-time wage. So was that 150,000 a year? <laughs> oh, I would imagine at least. <laughs> um, you know, we don't really often see the other end of a cyber quote-unquote attack. You remember Petya the ransomware that I just kind of made reference to? Yep. There was a there was like a full on SWAT raid of a Ukrainian uh, software firm where they think the the Petya ransomware came from and uh, there's not a lot of audio to this but just imagine Chase you're just working at some IT business kind yep. of company it's a computer yep. company yep. in this case it's a software company yep. it's an office full of developers probably not everyone at the company's involved picture this scene. This is on a cell phone camera of a Ukrainian. Or I'm, I don't know, I'm actually not sure if they're Ukrainian. Uh, it's in Ukraine. But service members. And uh, they're rushing into the office building where the software company is. It's just regular people. It's their desk. Wow. Look at this with guns. Wait, the Ukrainian military? Yeah. To go get the cyber threat, where the cyber threat originated from. Here's the people that walk into a meeting. Look at, could you imagine this, Chase? I would, could be, you, I would You're be sitting a, here in a meeting and a mili- and military service members with, look, they got. They I would got need like, to change my pants. They got like laser sights. They Holy got guns, crap. dude. They got like, I mean, this is, look at this. They're walking all over this place. They're shouting at them. They're going through their desks, uh, going through their server rooms. This is their, This is them in their server rooms. Obviously, uh, they have a cooling problem. <laughs> Look at that big fan. Look at that. Oh, they got to point it right. Wait, wait, Isn't wait. Isn't that wait. classic? Wait, that computer on the right, I think that's Vista. Dude, I think that I think is Vista. Vista. I think that's Vista. That must be hooked up to something like a, like a dedicated machine or something. And they got a bunch of shots of the uh, of the hardware in here in this video. There is that's the virus right there. That is the big yeah, virus. You can see it right there. Yep, that, I can see the light. There's a the there's a better shot of the uh, cooling <laughs> fan. Oh man, they even took the front off the they cooling fan. They needed maximum. They're, they're not cooling. messing around. They took the protective grade off the front of the fan. Oh jeez. Oh man. Uh, and then they have a oh, uh, hundred dollar bill bouquet. Yeah. Yeah, so got to get a shot of that. Yeah, nice. This has been edited together nicely. Look at that. So they're standing there with guns. Wait, are they there just waiting for the vending machine or, I mean... Look how decked out they are. Yeah. For a software company, dude. Like, I don't think these nerds were... Look at that. 
Look at that. Server stuck in a closet. I don't think these nerds need pose this nearly this kind of risk. Ah, there you go. There's the cable modem. Look at all the AC units on the windows. Wow. So there you go. There you go. Holy so uh, that's at the other end of the Petya attack is wow. uh, this raid from the Ukrainian army. You can find the full clip. Get in the on the show ground. Notes. Isn't that nuts? Wow. Whew. Okay, so Clapper was uh, getting uh, testified uh, to uh, your good friend. My buddy. Franken. Remember Al Franken when he was a radio host? I remember Al Franken when he was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Gosh yeah. darn it, people like me. Yeah, well, now he is uh, He's asking James Clapper some questions. And, man, if there's not one thing that is really is, – is the, is the phrase stuck in my craw? I don't want to steal grind my gears. I know that's your thing. Is yeah. it like stuck in my craw? Is that the right phrase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, a, like a thorn in your side. It's not racist, right? Okay, you know what's been a real thorn in my side? Thank yeah. you. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Is this uh, 17 intelligence agencies signed off on the Russian right. hacking? You can't question that. It's 17. 17. Ag- how, can you, how can you question 17 agencies? Yeah. Are you a conspiracy theorist? What is theorist? wrong with you, Chris? Now, uh, what really – so I'm the kind of person like when I, when I know something to be true and the rest of the world is under the other uh, – mis- <laughs> the wrong impression because obviously they're wrong. Um, you know, I want to I help them understand. And I want to – so I, I read the report and I, I went through it. And I'm like, OK, it's actually only – it's only three agencies, and one of them's not even fully confident. That would be the NSA, the most important one. I'm like, gosh, so it's it's not 17 at all. And I so I went back through all our clips, and I found where the 17 number came from, and it was from a Clinton campaign manager, Robbie, what is it, whatever his name was. And I was like, oh, that's where the 17 came from. It came from Clinton. And then I and I'm like, so it's in, in this report. It says three, but this report came out what in January? Whenever it was months ago, this report right, came right. out, and it's still to this day, literally to this day. 17 intelligence agencies colluded with Ru- or uh, confirmed that Russia colluded to affect the the uh, the election that's still the meme today during today um, we have uh, the intelligence communities have concluded all 17 of them he's even kind of he's like he's almost kind of he's got like a little chuckle before he starts because it's like this is such obvious information yeah. that it's comical that we're even debating this have concluded all 17 of them that Russia interfered with this election. Look, he's smiling. He's laughing right now. And we all know how that's right. We all know that. That is fact. That's fact. Uh, Senator, as I pointed out in my statement, uh, Senator Franken, uh, there were only three agencies. That would be James Clapper, the director of intelligence at the time the report was created. The directly involved in this assessment plus my office. But all 17 signed on to that. Well, it turns out there's actually, so Al, I mean, I don't, I get, you know, he's only, yeah. he's only a senator, so he probably wouldn't know these things, but turns out there's actually only 16 intelligence agencies to begin with, you jackass. There's 16 intelligence agencies, you jackass. How do you not know that? And then second of all, the reason where the 17 number comes from is because if you include Include Clapper's office as an intelligence agency. That's how you get to 17, uh, by rounding up to basically a bullshit number. His office is not, does not run independent intelligence. They are a central coordinator of intelligence. They're part of the intelligence apparatus. They are not a separate intelligence agency. Correct. So there's 16 intelligence agencies. But the senator doesn't even know that. But all 17 signed on to that. Well... We didn't go through that that process. This was a, a special situation because of the time limits, and my uh, what I knew to be the, who could really contribute to this and the sensitivity of the information. We decided it was a conscious judgment to restrict it to the, to those three. I'm not aware of anyone who dissented or or, di, or or disagreed when it came out. Okay, and I. 
he goes on. In fact, uh, we could play it, but he uh, he goes on to correct him on the 16 thing wow. as well. Um, that is huge because yeah. it was the DHS, which is a chicken shit cyber agency that has no credibility. Uh, they literally are just trying to I, get into it to make money. I, 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 man, I don't have a big issue with DHS because it was you know it was formulated after 9 11. I, I hate DHS with a with and, a deep passion. You know they they try to rope in all this national security under yeah. it, and and, and they're. Uh, they're cre- see the thing the, be- the behind the scenes that there's going to be books there's going to be books it created so much more jobs in the government that was just turned into this huge bureaucracy and what naturally happens when something that large all of a sudden comes into that pod is there was immediate turf wars right. and they are still yeah. fighting turf wars yeah. Jeff Johnson was an ineffectual leader because of these turf wars they tried to be a player in the 2016 elections and the states actually outright rejected their offers well they also rejected their offers based on their techniques they they were actually actively causing these intrusion detections so this Ugh. so they're not a credible agency yeah. i'm sorry I, yeah. and then when the I have an issue too. and then the nsa is like half on board and then you have the cia which is the reason why i feel like the cia is not as credible either although of course they 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 you could obviously argue that point and i would say it's a very valid argument but i believe they're not credible because they simply have a an agenda in syria they have a skin in the game that they have skin in the game, and their agenda in Syria and and other places in the Middle East is influencing their decision on how to how to tip the scales. And Russia, for the for a very long time, for the CIA's legacy, has been the go to boogeyman to tip scales in a certain way. So I'm not saying that is what happened, but I find the CIA to be not as credible in this situation. The NSA seems like because they're more of the network people, they're looking at the crypto, they're watching the wire, they're they're watching communications. They seem like they would be the most legitimate agency out of all three agencies to believe if they say yes, we're positive it's it was Russia that X Y Z. But they never even said that. They right. said they were well. It's possible. It seems likely. We've seen some. We've seen some indicators. So I, I thought. I thought that was probably probably worth us just recapping as we're about to get into a whole bunch of Russia stuff. There's also another meme. We've got to hit back. We've got to punish Putin. I actually was watching this debate on CNN right before I came down here to do the show. We got it. We got to push back for Putin. We got to teach him a lesson. Uh, your buddy Mike Morell was on CBS Morning News, said the same thing. You know, we've really got to make sure that we teach him a lesson. We've got to push back. We've got to show him that we won't take this. We can't just take this lying down. Like Morell was really like all in on CBS Morning right, News. Yeah. And there's some that are saying, well, we've already done it. Uh- Rudy Giuliani is an advisor to the president on cybersecurity, and he was asked in Poland this week why the U.S. hasn't punished Russia for interfering in the election. Listen to how he answered. I do think we have taken action. I just don't think we've announced it. Now, I wouldn't have played this except for he has, as like a buffoon, revealed (laughs) other actual classified information in an interview, even this year. Yeah. So I wonder if we haven't uh, taken some action. There was also reporting that Obama ordered uh, some sort of implants to be installed throughout Russian networks in case we needed some sort of retaliation. I have it in the show notes from like an episode or two back. Who knows? Who knows? But the... The uh, the cyber war is upon us, as as the chat room has been saying recently. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk let's let's talk about this big story. This is the one that we're kind of been so uh, North Cascades very pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lake up there and huge. <laughs> huge. Did you did you sleep in a tent? Did you sleep in a cabin? Did I you... slept in a tent. And nice. I was, by the way, yeah. Underrated, most underrated thing that you could ever bring to with you that you need to bring. Okay, a hammock. 
Oh, sure, man. Yeah. Did you bring I had, one? I had a hammock oh, between two trees. Nice. It was, oh. it, was, it was just so nice. So anyway, what was the big story? So I guess there were some emails uh, back. Uh, in fact. So the, Hillary. Cool. Yeah. Right. No, actually, somebody else's emails oh, this time. Okay. Right. Donald Trump Jr.'s. Yeah. Oh, he gets email? Yeah, I guess so. And uh, so, so let's so let's set the timeline here. This is June of 2016 that right. these emails are coming out. So, uh, to put that in some perspective, the first DNC emails started getting released in July. The FBI started getting involved in July. There was some early murmurs from WikiLeaks in June, but there wasn't really there wasn't really a lot behind it. We were still mostly talking about Hillary's emails and stuff like that. We hadn't really gotten to uh, the new email leaks yet. So this is all kind of right before all that stuff broke. So it's kind of ironic that now here we are looking at email leaks. Uh, of course, Donald Trump Jr. released these himself. But let's get let's start at the very beginning. The White House faced a new round of questions today over potential collusion between the Trump campaign and Russians during last year's election. Fresh off President Trump's meeting with Vladimir Putin, it is another meeting in June of 2016 between Donald Trump Jr. and a Russian lawyer that's drawing fresh scrutiny. The Russian lawyer, known for her opposition to U.S. sanctions against Russia over human rights, said she had damaging information about Hillary Clinton. The White House on the defensive again today. Now, that's that's not exactly true. Um, she didn't say that she had information. Um, a representative said that she had information. But let's let's not quibble about because that doesn't really matter. Um, this is a huge. This is a huge story. So these emails show that Donald Trump Jr. knew that they there may be information against Hillary Clinton and quote unquote her involvement with the Russian government that they would like to supply to him. Um, that was. I mean, I think just let's just stop right there before we go any further about all of it. That was that was the I think the biggest revelation we have had about any of this Russia investigation stuff since. Any of this has been a story. Agreed. I mean, this is Agre- totally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and so uh, I was, I was kind of curious to see what the different reaction be because my reaction was like, oh man, this is, this is it. This, this is it. And of course, uh, Chase's good buddy, my friend Adam Schiff, has a take. Oh, Adam, it is absolutely uh, not only a breach of norms, but a a breach of civic responsibility. Now, I have out of anybody that could have came out and said this, I have issue. That is Adam Schiff. Uh, what a sheriff here! Should he? He should have. Uh, he should have kept his mouth shut. He reveals his political slant and his motivation when he does this because he's supposed to be the ranking member of the investigation Correct. panel. Yep. He he's supposed to be top cop, and he's coming out and pronouncing guilty before the investigations even happen. Yeah, and I and I have a problem with anybody that does this. Yeah. No oh, matter yeah. who it is. If it was right. Nunes out there, uh, I don't know. I would I would be saying this. It's the same thing. It's like yeah. it's you're showing that you've already decided before you've had the investigation. Right. And and I played him. The reason why I'm playing him now is because I also played him when the manifesto came out, the pet, the bed pissing manifesto, yep. I he came out and immediately he was the first Democrat out and he just read pieces of the manifesto in a press conference like a jerk and basically said, well, here's our proof without quite saying that. Now we fast forward to the next scandal and uh, he's doing it again. And it's just he, he could have a minion of his do it. He could have he could have somebody on his staff do it. 
I don't understand why it has to be him. And the only thing I can come to is he wants his face to be the face of this investigation because this investigation is super important to Adam Schiff's political career. This is the most important moment of this otherwise lackluster guy's political career. And if this goes the right way, think about this. Think about if this somehow led to impeachment or a total restructuring even of the uh, Trump um, um, White House. The cabinet. yeah. Yeah. You think about the political power he would hold in the, Demo- in the Democratic Party, which is otherwise shifting around like crazy and, right and now. This is, and that's the part that I guess I don't understand. I mean, we, we understand that, yeah, he just couldn't hold it back enough. Like, he just had out and just put it out there. But if that's true, if, like, he's got a lot to gain, he could have just taken the really slow road on this and just say, you know what, hey, we need right. to— Right. We could have—we need to— That's what I think. And I think he would come out even farther ahead. Like, a, a, allow the spoils of the being patient to just arrive at your doorstep. Because, and because be- what he's doing, he's playing directly into the narrative of the Trump campaign. This uh, is a political witch hunt. That, you know, they're coming after me. Look, not all the data's out there, and you're coming straight after me. I mean, come yeah. on, Adam. He says this is a violation of an oath of citizenship. Now— I know we have people probably yelling at us right now through through this and say, "Well, of course, that's what. Look what happened. Look at the emails. Look at the emails." Okay, so I think I think we could at least take, and I think we will take at least three tracks on this because, and there's probably more, but I think like we have we have uh, what what does this reveal to talk about, and what is it? Is there real collusion here? We have was this legal or not, and we also have the moral question I think about opposition research too. That's pretty good. So I think right. we so um, so let's cover the contents of the email. I apologize. I'm going to play a little Hannity here, but he does a good job of just covering the contents of the email, which I think would help for context. Was this the no spin zone of Hannity or the, the no spin zone is gone? <laughs> I, I know. I it's, just, actually, I guess he's. I, I think he's podcasting now, right? Yeah, he is. Okay. All right. So earlier today, after the New York Times started reporting on the content of email exchanges prior to this meeting at Trump Tower, Donald Trump Jr. released what he says is the entire email chain. Now, contact was initiated by Rob Goldstone. He's a music publicist who represents a Russian pop star who knows the Trump family. He also was a judge on like the Miss Universe or whatever it is, the, the big pageant that Trump had in Moscow. They brought it there, yep. And, uh, and during that time, they became friends with a pop star and they've stayed in contact. It's, it's weird. From the 2013 Miss Universe pageant that took place in Moscow. Then on June 3rd, 2016, Goldstone emailed Donald Trump Jr., quote, Good morning, Emin, the Russian pop star, just called and asked me to contact you with something very interesting. The Crown Prosecutor of Russia met with his father, Aris, this morning and in their meeting offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father. So Rob is saying that the pop star's father got information from a high-level Russian official. Right. So from the Russian government. To the father. To the father. To the pop star. To the pop star. Via Rob to Donald Trump Jr. is the idea. Right. Or I guess via this lawyer, actually. We haven't gotten to her yet. We're about to get to her. Yeah, yeah. This is obviously very high-level and sensitive information, but is part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. (laughs) Now, that's a key phrase we'll be coming back to. Helped along by Aris and Emin. So what do you think is the best way to handle this information, and would you be able to speak to Emin about it directly? 
I can also send this information to your father via Rona, but it's ultra-sensitive, so wanted to send to you first. Best, Bob Goldstone. About 20 minutes later, Donald Trump Jr. replied, quote, Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. I am on the road at the moment, but perhaps I just speak to Emin first. Seems we have some time, and if it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer. Could we do a call first thing next week? Later in the summer because the, the maybe, campaign will be yeah. spinning up. Yeah, closer to October, the better. When I am back, best on. And in following emails, the two go back and forth about setting up that phone call. And then they eventually work out a time for a sit-down meeting with this Russian lawyer. Now, Donald Trump Jr. also released a statement earlier today explaining that he was releasing the emails to be transparent. He also de- Yeah, I have a side question. There. I have a side question mm-hmm, about that. Mm-hmm. If you're being transparent, mm-hmm. you don't wait for the New York Times. <laughs> you don't wait for the New so York Times to publish in, the emails, In his right? interview with Hannity, they were there. Uh, he says that uh, – what did he say? Uh, uh, that he, he had basically forgotten about it because it was – so his version of the story is they go in there expecting to get dirt. He's kind of actually honest about this part. He says, we go in there expecting to get dirt about Hillary Clinton. We sit down and this Russian lawyer starts talking to us about – how the sanctions are screwing over this thing, and uh, basically by the first ten minutes, he walks out. Uh, Manafort jumps on his phone, starts ignoring her, and in fact, the gal felt slighted about the thing. Uh, she says in her interview with NBC, which we'll play part of. Um, and I'm, I'm left with an impression of like they got cocky and just jumped in there and had a, and they claim this conversation was like they're not denying that they did it. What they're saying is we did it and we didn't get anything out of it. Like we did it and we fucked it up. But but since we fucked it up, it doesn't matter, right? Because it didn't work out. And that's sort of the argument. See, and, and and you know what? I That's what I'm feeling on it too. The additional thing that I feel on it is at this point, there's a campaign happening. There's an active campaign. And instead of going to the FBI and saying, hey, we have this guy – saying he's got information from the Russian government. And I don't care on this. Right now I'm looking at this not as a political thing. I'm just looking at this a procedural thing. You have an outside government, which is is against the law, to receive things of value, like information like this that you could release maybe in October. Right. So he it's it's interesting. Okay, so what do you think? Does it matter if so when it starts, like when they talk about the lawyer, which we should talk more about here in a second. The moment he mentions the Russian government, gov- yeah. that that is full stop right, right there. He should not be responding. Go, hmm. Let's let's talk yeah. about it. no, no. You need to stop now. Yeah, and love it, <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah, I love okay, it. Okay, so uh, I agree, um, because it, it seems like if you are if you are even tangentially acknowledging that you're working with the Russian government then you are opening up the possibility for a foreign power to have some influence oh, over totally. our election. Um, and so it seems like they could have him on that. The, it doesn't, but the, now I want to talk, now I, I want to, I, I don't think yeah. we went further without talking about the lawyer. Yeah. President Trump and his representatives denied for months that there was any link between Russia and the Trump campaign. But now Donald Trump Jr. confirmed he and other campaign officials met with a Russian lawyer who said she had information that could damage Hillary Clinton. Trump Jr., his brother-in-law, Jared Kushner, and campaign chairman Paul Manafort met at Trump Tower in June of last year with attorney Natalia Veselnitsia. She- now, what's interesting about this is the meeting's set up with her, and at first she's 
a uh, she's an, a she's a a Russian attorney in the emails. And then at one point, towards the end of the email chain, he starts uh, Rob starts referring to her as a Russian government attorney, uh, which has set off uh, a whole bunch of speculation that maybe she has connections with Putin, that she was directly representing the interests of the Russian government, that perhaps she should have been registered here in the U.S. as a state um, affairs person. And it starts spinning out of control pretty fast. And NBC really jumped in with the first exclusive interview with the lawyer. And it sort of changes the entire story. Tonight, we showed Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya the emails Donald Trump Jr. released. Emails where she's described as a Russian government attorney and part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. So these are and these are phrases that get worked into later parts of the chain. We have it all linked in the show notes here. Donald Trump Jr. is told that they want to schedule a meeting with him and the Russian government attorney who is flying over from Moscow. The Russian government attorney. That means you. Um, No. So she flew over for the meeting. I'm certainly flattered by being marked and called as a government attorney, but I have never worked for the government in the first place. She says that meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, and campaign chairman Paul Manafort was arranged by Russian pop star Emin Agalarov and publicist Rob Goldstone. So Goldstone um, is an interesting fellow, and I have some information linked about him in the show notes, but we don't really need to spend a lot of time on him. I want to talk more about the lawyer for a second. So she flies in for this meeting. You know what's, you know what's interesting about that fact, about the fact that she flew in for that meeting? What's that? Uh, uh, she wasn't supposed to be in the U.S. She she had her passport expire in January of 2016. So how did she get Absolutely. So, Senator, just to recap, uh, the Russian lawyer was denied a visa to come into the United States, but suddenly, magically almost, she got permission to come into the country to have that meeting. So, yeah, I'm sorry, her visa. So her visa expires in January 2016, yet she's able to fly in in June and there's some people like this guy, Grassley, who want to uh, do some questioning that think that maybe somebody higher up in the administration might have pulled a few strings to make sure she arrived. What are you suggesting? What do you think might have happened? Uh, keep in mind, at that time, Barack Obama was still president of the United States, and he had his people at the Department of, uh, of uh, Homeland Security and whatnot. He is, by the way, on the panel of the same, the same panel that we just played uh, that uh, Frank was on earlier. They're all on that investigation panel. Yeah. Well, that's what I hope to find out, because it was in the previous administration. If there had been enforcements of the immigration laws, she wouldn't have been in the country. So it seems like there was some sort of special privilege or grant given to her. Um, And uh, there is also apparently some connections between her and a company called Fusion GPS. Now, you might remember Fusion GPS because in Comey's testimony, he went into tons of detail about them. Uh, the chairman mentioned that Fusion, uh, are you familiar with Fusion? I know the name. Okay. Are they part of the Russian intelligence apparatus? There is uh, several links in the show notes that suggest that Fusion may be connected to Russian intelligence directly. I can't say. Okay. Do you agree with me that if Fusion was involved in preparing a dossier against Donald Trump? I'm sorry, what? How was it? What was that? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Fusion was involved with what? Me that if Fusion was involved in preparing a dossier against Donald Trump. Yeah, that's right. The same people that were involved in creating that bed pissing dossier are the same people that 
helped connect this Russian lawyer to rob and get her over here into the States. The same people that the Jeb Bush campaign initially hired to do opposition research against Donald Trump, when it became clear that Donald Trump was going to be the front-running Republican candidate, the Hillary Clinton campaign began paying him. And Fusion GPS, a company that is potentially connected to the Russian intelligence. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That would be interfering in our election by the Russians. I, I, I don't want to say. You know why he doesn't want to say? Because that's, it's, there's an investigation and he can't talk about it because that is something they're actively investigating right now. So this is this is a really thick story because we have potentially the same people behind the Trump dossier somehow tangentially connected to this Russian lawyer. And when you look at all of these things, it does look like a bit of a setup, like maybe they somehow got this guy over there, particularly because here's something else. I've read the dossier. We have linked it in the past. You can find it online. The meeting is in the dossier. And the documentation, the, the memo of that meeting taking place is the justification that they use to bring it to John McCain and that he uses it to bring it to the FBI. I know this is, this is hard to follow, but what I'm saying is that there is actually a thread from the very beginning of this Russia investigation when John McCain brought the dossier to the FBI and then they used the context of this meeting potentially as, a, as justification to get a FISA request because they had right there that they had had a meeting, a documented memo that they had a meeting, which did take place at Trump Tower – which then granted them FISA requests to then monitor the Trump campaign, which begins this entire Russia story from the very start. All of the collusion stuff where they start monitoring Manafort and they uh, – what's his name? The guy that the, they had to run out of uh, Trump's administration. Oh, Kushner? No, no, no. no. Um, not yet. He's, they're still trying. Yeah. Um, oh, oh uh, yeah. Mm, the general. I can't remember his name oh, right now. Oh, Flynn. Flynn. Thank you. Flynn. That's how they got Flynn was because of the ancillary collection from the FISA monitoring. It's all connected. It's crazy. This, it's all connected. It all comes back to Fusion GPS, which is astounding. And if Fusion GPS is connected to the Russian intelligence and the Hillary Clinton campaign was paying them for this dossier, then both the Jeb Bush campaign and the Clinton campaign paid Russian operatives, which would sound a lot like collusion. It's incredible. It's incredible. But it doesn't change the details and the facts of the emails, which could still screw Jared or not Jared, Donald Jr. Donald Trump Jr.'s emails are raising legal questions about his meeting with the Russian attorney. That meeting also included the president's then campaign manager, Paul Manafort, and his current senior advisor and son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Some legal experts are pointing out that federal law makes it or declares that it is a crime for a foreigner to give money or something or some other thing of value as it's written. So let's just let's either so, you, so the thing is is the hypothesis which I have just laid out actually fits into this perfectly. So if this was some form of setup, either they they convince a stupid pop star who looks like a real idiot by watching some of his videos I, before the show um or maybe they somehow paid Rob off, who seems to be like a real piece of crap character. There was somehow they get these guys to go to a meeting and they from the very beginning, they make sure to put a few key phrases in there like the support of the Russian government and the Russian attorney, the Russian government attorney. Make sure that's in there intentionally and then make sure you hold on to these emails. It, it's perfect because it 
it shows that if he accepts those emails that Donald Trump Jr. was accepting work from the Russian government. It, right. So it yeah. illustrates that even if it was bogus and entrapment, it still shows willingness to take information from the Russian government. Right. It's sort of like when the FBI entraps somebody for trying to blow up uh, the federal building when they're the ones that gave them the inert bombs. It's kind of that. And he's still caught. He's still guilty. In connection with the U.S. election, federal law also states the following. No person shall knowingly solicit. Oh, I guess Crown Prosecutor isn't a Russian government official. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter because you're receiving this email, right? Yeah. Do you think Don Jr. is going, oh, that's not a real office. I'm going to continue down this path. No, I think he's thinking, oh, man, I've I got, heard, some, I I, got some info. Here, well, here's, he, he's what he, here's what he said in the interview. He's like, I've heard some stories about Hillary that don't get a lot of coverage in the mainstream media, and I thought maybe I was going to go find out about some of that. Right. And I believe it because yeah. I would think that if somebody gave – if somebody emailed me and said, hey, I'd like to give you some real dirt, and I knew them because he knows right. this guy because right. you know they let but, him screw they, some of the Miss Universe. But, but let me add on to that one more layer. If it, it said – yeah, Chris, I got some information from the Crown Prosecutor of Russia. You're going to think this is official information. It means it's good stuff. Right. You're not going to – and that's the part that I, I think I'm still having a trip up over is at that point, you don't go any farther. You just don't. Yeah, even, even I if agree. It's, even if it's fake. Right. I mean morally, it should be country before party. Well, it's not just morally. I, th- I think there's a legality there. and. I, maybe there's going to be a technicality where they go, well, it wasn't a real official government office. That's great enough. Or if because there was no exchange of goods, there was no quote unquote type of payment. Right. And that's, but, but does that make you feel good as, as anybody knowing that this is happening? It makes me think two <laughs> things. If Hillary Clinton was elected, we'd never have known about any of this stuff. True. That's fascinating yeah, to think about. That's very true. And then number two, I don't know where to draw the line because. There, there is the idealist in me who says this is bad and it's morally wrong. You should be country before party. Legally, it's wrong. But then, then there is the pra- pragmatist that's been sitting in this chair for for weeks now. And I got to say, this doesn't sound any more awful than Donna Brazil defending leaking questions to Hillary Clinton because we want to win. We want to win, quote unquote. Yeah, I did it, quote unquote. We want to win. So I, it seems like morality – I don't think morality has been at play since you or I have been alive, to be honest. I think it went out the window long before then. I, I, so I don't – so the pragmatist in me doesn't know where to draw the line, to be honest, because if the Clinton campaign and the Jeb campaign have been paying into Fusion GPS and this steel character who are connected to the Russian government, then they have also been – collaborating of the worst kind and that would just seem to be the norm then yeah. because the Trump campaign while they failed did try to collaborate and they hoped for collusion they just sucked at it and the Clinton campaign worked through an apparatus like Fusion GPS to hire opposition research it seems like it's just a different type of collusion I, I'm I'm I miss I'm just because the other thing is like Fusion GPS also has British MI MI five officials in it yeah. like so that you could you could say that government isn't trying to influence like it's it, the, the rabbit hole goes really deep here so the pragmatist in me does not know le- legitimately does not know how to answer your question I so then I sort of fall back on the morality and say well it was morally wrong it was a wrong thing to do morally yeah and and th- and this is and this is the part where. You see the Trump administration and you see, you know, uh, Don Jr. going on, you know, Fox Hannity trying to feel this friendly bump. 
but at the same time, we're not really digging into it, is, is that he only shared these emails and started talking about it after the New York Times reported it from the get-go, right? And this thing already happened. So why do you think that's – is that significant because it shows that he he did have a meeting and lied about it? Yeah. And, th- and that's the part that bugs me so too. So what I mean, qualifies – me- so here's, here's where I would – here's why here's where I equivalent is okay. I think that Russian lawyer doesn't have anything to do with the Russian government. Right. So it's not it, – it, it's – he went and basically met with an activist lawyer who's been pestering him for a while. Yeah. And he she, – she figured out a way to get in front of his face. I think the whole thing was just to set up the optics of it to be honest with you. And then his his poor choices and his um, greed, and also if you keep right. it, here's, here's one a little thing, dark. Angle. One other thing, gonna, right. which is one more thing. Yeah. Remember again, this is pre Russia hysteria. That's right. Yeah. So he's not necessarily thinking everything Russia is toxic. What? And one. Okay, sorry. I oh, okay. And then also, uh, you know, at this point, everybody thought Hillary was going to win for sure. Yeah, oh, I think even sure. they thought that. Well, at the time, and I think even Don Jr. mentioned it in the interview with Hannity that you know there was a possibility that it could have been a contested, uh, you know, convention on the Republican side. There was a lot of fluidity going on. But not to get too conspiracy baconish or having a weird thought. But what if this was intentionally set up this way to kind of bait Don Jr. in, and this was like a Russian insurance policy, if you will. Like they knew the laws, right? And then they, the meeting happened. Nothing came out of it, right? It was a total blow up in their face, waste of time. As Don Jr. was, I'm paraphrasing what is what he said during the interview. But what if this was just kind of you know, held there? You know, if you look at the timing of this release, don't you think it's interesting? Why is it being released today? Like why? so, yeah. So Trump has his successful meeting with Putin. They announce a ceasefire in Syria. I I feel like. The timing of this release is sort of meant to sort of take him down a peg during some good news. Like you get a yeah. bump that you've just had a, ce- a successful ceasefire in Syria that actually seems to be sticking. So then, oh, boom, here's this huge yeah. release. Yeah. So I'm I'm more cynical about it, and I think it's 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 more um, it's more sabotage in a sense because it's it it's he met with a private citizen, and these guys do meet with a lot of people and publicists. Publicists is always over promise, but it's always you're probably you know if I'm him, I'm willing to go in there and hear what this person says. Well, especially and, after the lead off. I mean, look at that lead off. Yeah, there's so much speculation that I because you know we could also speculate. Well, what happens if he got information that was clearly damaging to national security? What would he have done? Maybe he would have gone to the FBI. Yeah, you know, we don't know. Right. So it's it's but what we but what seems to be obvious is he got trapped one way or the other either either because he's stupid or because he was intentionally trapped and he just fell for it because he's greedy. I. I it could be both of those things. I mean, I don't know if you remember. Um, I was reading about this. Uh, I forgot where I got it from. But during the uh, Bush-Gore uh, situation, uh, the Gore campaign, they found some sort of book or dossier that just so happened to land on their doorstep that had con- uh, containing information about the Bush campaign. And they reported it directly to the FBI, like right away. Like they weren't even taking any chances. And now you have uh, a family like Trump. Remember Trump's taxes, somebody just dropped it off in a mailbox? Yeah, just dropped them off anonymously. And it's it's one of those situations where they are being the not atypical political family. This is a financial family that has gotten into politics. Yeah, but you know, you look at Joe Biden's son over there and you yeah. look at the way Cheney profited from Halliburton. This, yeah. I think this, I think that's that's a system, dude. Well, definitely. And now Barry's got a foundation. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. But in in this situation, it, it, was it just too much greed? Is I mean, what's 
what's the play here? Because, I mean, after all, I mean, at the end of the day, they won. But, you know, they, there is some really underhanded stuff happening in this and on both sides. There's show some intent to to at least get information from a foreign power. No, are, so are we going to talk about, uh, I don't know if you have the clip oh, on it. but Give it to me. What do you got? I was going to say, like, with the whole... Trump didn't know about this at all. I didn't know them. No, but I do have the. But there's uh, a correlation to the fact that the day of or the day after that email took place, Trump went out and announced that we're going to have some big information to share about Hillary next week. Yeah, I don't know if I have that, but I have the video of them. The the video of them. Yeah, hanging out here. Yeah, but I mean, it was like, and Trump's. Uh, he's like, oh, my dad didn't know anything mm-hmm. or anything like yes, that. Yes, and right, then just right. the meeting happened one floor below. Yeah. where Trump's office is in the tower. So yeah. I, yeah, what did who know what and when? You know? So that so Ugh. okay. So while you're talking about things that are weird like that, uh, so this lawyer that somehow gets in to uh, the U.S. to have this meeting. Then the next day after the meeting is at an event with the U.S. ambassador to Russia who was appointed by Obama at an event she's pictured with. She's not even legally allowed to be in the U.S. She's some lawyer, but then all of a sudden she's at some big Democratic event like the next day photographed next to this guy. Right. I, I, uh, so, and again, I go back to they're all connected back to this dossier, which is the very justification that kicked this entire damn thing off, which was then completely disproven, resoundingly rejected by Comey in his testimony. And even Steele, the author, came out and said, well, yeah, I, I actually wasn't allowed to travel to Russia. So all the information from Russia was from hired sources that I paid. So he paid people to give him stories. And then he was paid by the size of the dossier. And he admits that half the stuff in there is unverified. Probably like the bed pissing stuff. <laughs> so this dossier is at the heart, again, of all of this, even if it's remotely connected. And then you have players like Adam Schiff trying to make his move. You have guys like Donald Trump Jr. trying to play transparent now <laughs> yeah. after the fact and going on Hannity. You have Hannity, who's the personal spokesperson of the White House. It's just it's, it's, a, it's a complete dumpster fire. And it shows that there was corruption on both sides. And you know what bothers me, I guess, about the whole situation is, you know, you, you see these kind of things that are just blatantly bad. I mean, it doesn't look good no matter how you spin it. And the excuse that you usually hear as a response is, well, Hillary did it. Or let's go back farther. Well, uh, well, Bill did it. Let's go back farther. Well, George did it. Well, let's go back farther. Well, Reagan did it. You know, th- what bothers me is... The, the reasoning that supporters will give is, well, the other guy did it, so our guys can do it too. Yeah, because it's precedence, I guess. Uh, right. And and I just wonder, well, what about the act at hand? Well, I mean, what, what about, about the mor- morals of it? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the legality the, and the moral. That's why the practical version of me gets hung up on it, so I have to fall yeah. back to the moral version of it. Yeah. Uh, so I, because here's what happens. Here's, here's what happens if you don't do this. If you don't take the meeting with the Russian lawyer, you don't, hi- if you don't hire the dossier guy, if you don't put your server in your basement, then you are a loser. Because look at, look at Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is going to go down in history as the guy that said, I'm sick and tired of hearing about her damn email. Emails. Once you play nice, you lose. Doesn't matter how popular you it are with the true. people. Nice guys finish last. The po- yeah, the political system crushes the nice guy, and it's it's the players that have people on their team like Debbie Wasserman Soltz or Donna Brazil or Manafort or your children or Kushner, like these people that are super tight operatives that work close to you. If you don't have your gang of thugs that help you do this stuff, you lose. And that's why Gary's going to lose again. That's why if Bernie tries to run again, unless there's something that changes 
and shifts in a massive way, <laughs> it's if you're the nice guy and you, you're not corrupt, you lose. And Bernie Sanders, I think, is the living proof of that. Doesn't matter how popular you are, if you don't play a dirty level, if you don't play the dirty game, you lose. Right. Sick. It's gross. Well, the problem I think, though, Bernie unfortunately had is he was up against the biggest machine there is, or one of the biggest machines that there is, and it, there was nothing stopping Hillary from getting the nomination, especially after her campaign against Obama. And once that plan was put into place, it didn't matter if Bernie had more dirt than anybody; it wouldn't have mattered. Because we've already covered how much money is involved with the foundation and, you know, her, her buddy buddy with wonder, all these people. I wonder if, the, if Bernie had won, if the CIA would still be freaking out. Because, you know, because Bernie yeah. probably wonder what he'd want to do in Syria. I wonder how they'd be freaking out about that right, right now. Yeah. They were probably never concerned. No. And they probably thought they were going to get jabbed, too. They probably weren't concerned then either. No. And, 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 that's, and that's where, you know, uh, I, I I came up with the name of a, a podcast in my head over the over my uh, weekend that I was up there. It was called you know the new civil war, you know red versus blue. Because I think this is by design. This is this is what the whole point is, right? To get us so wrapped up and so like polarized and talking about morals and legality. Meanwhile, there are things happening underneath our noses that we're not even paying attention to. Uh, you know, it's a one another big distraction, another big distraction. Mm-hmm, and at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you know. There's North Korea here we're launching missiles. Yeah, yep. there there are yep. things that are really happening. Yeah, I try like, to oh you know uh, it, once we get through the main show, stick stay tuned to the overtime. We'll often we'll pick up a lot of that stuff in the overtime, like like uh, like North Korea or like uh, the situation in in Syria. Yeah, all that stuff. We'll pick that up in the overtime. Why don't we do a little like G20 coverage? Oh yeah, we teased it last week. We had the big. This is sort of our ramp out of all of this stuff. Let's just cover the uh, Trump Putin meeting a little bit. Some of that stuff. Just to sort of start clearing our minds and moving out. <laughs> this moment is actually kind of funny. That's why I left it in here. Uh, they're collectively making fun of the press right now. Like they're pointing. Look at these animals. Look at these. Look at these jerks. Look at these jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a funny, just kind of a funny moment. So they, so they met uh, in a private room for over two hours, and uh, it was uh, it was kind of a it was actually kind of a big deal. Savannah, good evening to you. This may have been the most important diplomatic meeting yet for President Trump, formally face to face for the first time with the leader of the country accused of meddling in our election, and that was topic number one for the U.S. With two different stories tonight on how that discussion went, the world watching to see where this relationship goes next. Watching Chase, the whole world. In front of the cameras, every move scrutinized. It's an honor to be with you. Behind closed doors, every word. With President Trump starting talks by pressing President Putin on Russia's interference in our election. The president opened the meeting uh, with President Trump. Putin by raising the concerns of the American people regarding Russian interference in the Uh huh. I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure they talked about yeah. it a whole lot. I bet it was a really but actually the thing that did kind of come out uh is uh <laughs> they talk about how they tried to set the first lady in to break him up because it was going on too long, but there was some good progress on Syria. So engaged, neither one of them wanted to stop, according to Tillerson, who described the positive chemistry 
For most of the meeting, the two talked Syria. The U.S. announcing a ceasefire set to start Sunday, framed as the first indication both countries can work together there. That's actually already in place right now because it was last Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about it more in the overtime. So this, so he does his big Putin meeting. Um, we don't know if he's revealed any huge secrets like everybody was worried about. But we do seem to have a ceasefire in Syria, which is sticking so far. There's also this weird cyber unit stuff. Oh, we saw the tweets. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. The first Trump-Putin face-to-face was the meeting watched around the world. What exactly was said inside the private marathon two-hour-plus discussion, though, remains under serious debate, even apparently by the president himself (laughs) in tweets. On Sunday, this, Putin and I discussed forming an impenetrable cybersecurity unit. Damn, that sounds, um, I don't even know what the hell that's supposed to be. What would a logo for that look like? Jeez, dude. Like a bear and an eagle. Oh, right? my. Wait. The eagle on top of the bear? Or a bear with wings? Eagle <laughs> wings? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, anyway. Putin with no shirt. <laughs> um, so, he's talking about this impenetrable cybersecurity unit, which is, I'm sorry, it's it's a funny thing for, for him to even say. Uh, but, anyways, then he retracts. It's impenetrable. Himself in tweets. On Sunday, this, Putin and I discussed forming an impenetrable cybersecurity unit so that election hacking and many other negative things... <laughs> election hacking let me, let me and many other negative things... Many bad things. But you know how he writes, because of the way he writes, so he says, so that election hacking, comma, and many other negative things will comma. be guarded. Guarded dot dot. Will be guarded and safe. But it's kind of a, it's like it's almost like saying so that way election hacking will be safe. Is almost what it is actually how it reads. We're going to perform a security unit so that election Wait, hacking and other Chris, negative things will be guarded. Let me hold. He's it here. guarding negative things. Let me hold it here for a minute. Is so? Didn't Trump for the longest time deny that there was any kind of hacking? But yeah, but then recently he has been like there was probably some hacking. Okay, so yeah, now he's uh, full out admitting it with this tweet. Well, he's saying so that things like election hacking. Yeah. No, no. So that hacking. Thing, that election hacking and many other hacking. things will be guarded. So he's he's implying by this tweet that there's election hacking. election hacking happened. But, but he's already been saying that. Well, at first he wasn't. Right. He said that it didn't happen at all. Then he came out in a minute, and well, now he's like, we're going to do something about it with the country that is supposedly I hacking say, our election. When he first starts saying there's no, there's been no hacking, really the conversation was about the DNC. Now, when you say hack the election, what does that mean? Right. Does that mean? What does it mean? Does it mean fishing Podesta? Does it mean... Yeah, what does that mean? You're right. Yeah. What's it mean exactly? But we say it all the time. I know. The Russians hack the election. What's it it mean in his world? I know. But it's a phrase that we always use, hacking the election. Yeah. And it's so... It's such a noob thing to say. I know. Because, like... He cybered the election. Does it mean that they penetrated state voting systems and uh, downloaded uh, databases of voter registration information? Right. Is that what it means? I... Does it mean compromising the DNC server? I don't know. What's the hacking? <laughs> it's so weird. I know. Be guarded and safe, sparking an immediate backlash. This is like the guy who robbed your house proposing a working group on burglary. 
I love it. I don't know why Droopy Dog's always get. He's been back in the in the media for a couple of days uh, now. But. Republicans as well. Senator Ben Sass called it inexplicably bizarre. That is some sass. Some weighed in heavily on the morning show. Hey. Oh, good. Is, is that Lindsay? Yeah. That's Lindsay. Geez, he almost looks sober, too. It's not the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but it's pretty close. Uh, Wait, uh, did they uh, did they voice over him? Yeah, well, he and looked... Just- he looks he bad. He is literally oh, the only. Right. Yeah, they, they they had to wait for him to come back where he where he wasn't making a bad face. Person I know of who has any doubt about where Russia uh, attacked our election in 2016. Okay, so <laughs> Russia attacked. Okay, so when you attack the election, is that uh-huh. like that probably represents like, like a multi spectrum approach, right? Oh boy, a multi vector, a multi threat vector approach. I bet. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't. know. What do you think of that? Huh? Hacking. I'm, I'm facepalming right now. Yeah. Then there, of course, was disputes, disputes whether uh, Trump and Putin agreed about hacking, but that really doesn't. None of that really matters. I'd be hacking. A lot, a lot of hacking. A lot of hacking. You know, Mr. Chase. Yes, I, I, it, it dawns on me that uh, we are about to do the Club 33 mail sack, but yes, it's kind of a special right. one because yeah. it's the last one for a couple of weeks. That's what I said exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be AFK or AFM away from microphone next week because I will be in Montana. And like uh, while I'm in Montana, I uh, I won't be doing the show because I don't I don't have reliable connectivity over there, Aww. and uh, and uh, so I can't do the clips, I can't do the shows, I can't do the Skype in because I get throttled really bad right now. I'm not I'm on an old AT and T thing. Well, well, Chris, you better hope that uh, Agent Pi does not roll back those protections because you're going to get throttled more in the future, buddy. Oh man. Congratulations! All hey, right. So, hey, Club Thirty Three, how you guys doing? Do you guys have a good couple weeks? I've missed you. I know you've missed me. Welcome to my sack, everybody. Hey, we like to know what what is on your mind this week. Clinton, Trump, news, fake and real. What's on your mind? So AT wrote into the show and he said, "Hey, if Russia wanted to help the Trump win, the Trump, the Trump, what do you think motivated them? What did Hillary do to piss Vlad off so much? That's assuming you buy any of this new Trump, Russia, Manichurian candidate story that is exploding at the moment. You know, the only thing I could think of to that degree, if there's so say Russia was motivated to make Trump win, it would be, first of all, you have the statements of the candidates. Yeah. Uh, where Clinton was very sort of aggressive in her, in her uh, comments about Russia. Yeah. Where Trump was sort of like, hey, he seems like a good guy. More I like friendly. him. He likes me. Yeah. Um, then you have, uh, and let him knock the hell out of ISIS. So then you also have the whole fact that the quote-unquote Islamic State in Syria is mostly backed by the CIA, which is causing a lot of problems for Russia's good buddy Assad. So there could be that motivation, potentially, to want to go for the candidate. They'd be less likely to do something stupid there, although that has not panned out. Um, But I think... I actually think if you look at the history of the Clintons and their history of uh, working on behalf of the Russian government, I would actually think if he's if Putin is such the forty chess master that he claim that everyone claims him to be, he would actually have perhaps wanted Hillary in office. Yeah, I, I thought about that until the Don Jr. emails and, and seeing the connection with uh, that uh, you know the uh, the pageant the uh, not the attorney yeah, but the, yeah. the the big guy with the music star. And then I realized this is just one big business deal. This is just another big continuation. Right. And they they Maybe. saw they saw Trump possibly knocking off Hillary and they wanted to get on the winning side yeah. and to yeah. make their business dealings more profitable. I don't know That's though. What I, thought. I don't know if the comments of the Russian government support and the Russian lawyer are credible in those emails. That's True. Because because Rob is not a credible person. But at the time though, Don Jr is so inept. Right. To to I'm not inept. Maybe it's not I'm the just right going word, back to yeah. Russian yeah. government's motivation. Yeah. Uh, 
to to throw their. It would support. seem outwardly Trump would have been their their chosen candidate because of his positive stance towards Russia. Yeah. But it would see inwardly if you look behind the scenes, they've made a lot of money thanks to Hillary. Oh yeah, and the and her influence in the State Department. Well, they they played both sides to a point, and then they decided to probably go all in on one side. Uh, next email comes in from Mickey T. Thanks, Mickey, for the show and uh, being a part of it. I saw the tweets from President Trump calling Podesta Podesta disgraceful, and then saw Podesta's response to them. I don't understand how he who obviously had knowledge of everything that really happened, can push a Russian hacking initiative or narrative when it is clearly not what happened. Then tells him to make sure he mentions it to Putin. <laughs> Trump asks Putin straight up. Putin's like, nah, big dog. And all the media all had to say about it was, well, maybe Putin and Russia are just playing the long game. Get a grip, media. By the way, thanks for the swag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New Swag is out. Uh, special discount for our patrons. and Yeah, look uh, for that special post for Club yeah. 33. And we just opened it up to uh, other patrons as well. In fact, I might be, you know, I didn't check with Ange. I mean, I did, We're at 50 of 52 right now. It was, uh, we have two spots yeah. available. Okay, two spots. As of right now. Yeah. Two spots. Yeah. Yeah, so patrons, even if you're not in Club 33, you can still get a special discount on the new unfiltered mug. And then okay, eventually. So that's not a Club 33 post, okay. Well, there's both. Club 33 gets a special discount. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I then, saw that. Uh, okay. Patrons also get a discount. Nice. Um, and then we're going to open up to the public as a way for people to maybe do like a one off swag item if they just want to support the show but don't want to sign up for like monthly patron. Very so nice. we'll be opening up to the public soon, too. Very but cool. we, wanted to get, uh, we wanted to get all of the stuff fulfilled for the patrons first. So. I've had a couple of people ask me, how do you get involved in the sack? Let me tell you real quick. It's simple and easy. On the Wednesdays that we do a show, okay? All right. Very early morning Pacific time between seven, uh, 6 and 7 a.m., I will post to our Patreon page. It's background. Only for Club 33. You will see that post. You will reply to that post. And there you go. If you don't want me to mention your name, like you're, you're concerned about you know being a little bit more confidential, no worries. Just tell me in, uh, send me a message in the post or whatever, and say please don't mention my name on the air, and I will not mention it. Yeah, we're also uh, going to be giving away some uh, Nancy, hashtag #Onancy stickers to people who sign up in the month of July. Patreon.com/slash/unfilter oh, because we're trying to get up to a new goal level to do unfilter more than once a week. Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. That's where you to go. That's where you go to support the show. But also, even if you don't want to become a patron, when YouTube permits, we are posting the entire live show over there as well which you can just watch the completely unfiltered version of Unfilter. Although if you are just trying to get your uh, vitamin dose of news, the downloaded version is going to be the quickest way to get the biggest headlines, and then you can stick around for the overtime if you like. Nice. Also, a little, one little piece of admin, like I said, yep. gone next week. Yep. Uh, going to uh, probably in the next couple of weeks think about the uh, Unfilter subreddit again, so it could be coming soon. Yep. I've already have some ideas, by the way. Okay. So I'll reflect on that while I drive to Montana. So stay tuned for news on that. We also have an unfiltered Telegram group in the works right now. Uh-oh. Uh, so we'll have information on that. Tread lightly. And we have a uh, we have the uh, also the unfiltered IRC chat room. So if you go to irc.geekshed.net, and then you can go into the unfiltered chat room and uh, hang out with uh, the Unfilter folk over there. And thank you to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter for making it possible for us to do this all the time. Very much. You know, Chase, sometimes when weed becomes legal... State of emergency? <laughs> there, he does declare, yeah. Not yet, but there's a problem. There's a there's a real problem, and I, I feel like this is a problem. I thought about this when I traveled to Colorado, uh, because I was like, so say, say I was coming, say I wasn't coming from a state where it was legal, 
and this was like a big novelty that there oh, was yeah. pot shops. I didn't – I like, where would I – if I buy pot in Colorado when I'm visiting, like if I've flown into town, where am I allowed to smoke it? That's true. If I fly into Seattle from out of town – You can't go to a From bar, out of Washington. You can't do it there? Yeah. This is becoming a problem in a lot of places that legalize it, even uh, up in Anchorage. Good evening, everyone. I'm Joe V. Hill. And I'm Emily Carlson. Well, you can legally buy marijuana here in Anchorage, but tourists have nowhere to legally smoke it. Tonight, the Anchorage Assembly is taking steps to try to change that. KTV 11's Daniela Rivera is live in downtown Anchorage with those efforts. Daniela. Joe and Emily, Chris Constant says he knows people are taking to our parks to consume marijuana because for many, there's no place else they can go to consume legally. Now tonight, the Assembly just approved a resolution he submitted asking the Marijuana Control Board to help them with a solution. In the summertime, half of my clientele is easily tourists. They're drawn to AK fireweed, a novelty for visitors from states where consuming marijuana is illegal. How often does someone say to you, I don't live here in Alaska. Where can I smoke? Every day, um, multiple times a day. I mean, we're on 4th Avenue. We're on Tourist Avenue. General Manager Will Ingram has to tell them the only place they can legally consume marijuana in Alaska is on private property, with permission of the property owner. Not a likely option for most of them, but it doesn't stop them from shopping. This is why you bring your RV. Uh, actually, uh, Alaska. De, de, uh, demerit <laughs> is that is it? Demerit in the chat room says edib- yeah, edibles. <laughs> what do you think of that? Is that a? I don't recommend edibles though. See, that's the problem. Is, no, because if you're not probably in a place, you've seen yeah. stories. Yeah, I where people have freaked mm, out, right? Yeah, and when you're like, if you're a tourist and you're not from a place that has pot, and you go for the edibles, you could be in for a bad time. And, you know, I see people recommending this on the news, too. It seems like a bad idea. Anyways, so, yeah, the issue is tourists come in and they buy the pot and they got nowhere to go, but they're still buying the pot. So it's not like they're throwing it away. But it doesn't stop them from shopping. I've never had someone leave because they didn't have a safe place to smoke it. So they're buying it anyway. Oh, absolutely. We have a conundrum in the law that... There's no place for them to go and smoke. You can't smoke in your hotel room. You can't smoke on the street. RV. And they do end up smoking in our parks. Downtown Anchorage Assemblymember Chris Constant wants to send a message to the Marijuana Control Board ahead of a potential second vote on on-site consumption Wednesday. We need to make rational policy because we're stuck. And we have a bad situation here in some ways. A resolution on Tuesday night's Assembly agenda does just that. This is just a message from the Assembly that We would like you to look closely at this question. Until something changes, Ingram can only control what happens inside AK Fireweed. You can buy legal cannabis and they're going to smoke it probably where they shouldn't and I can't police that. That resolution was approved this evening within just the last hour, 7 to 4. We also reached out to the Anchorage Downtown Partnership. So the 7 to 4 means that uh, they're going to look at places to make it legal for people to smoke out in public, away from people that don't want to have to smell it, which is going to be now the tricky game they have to walk because there's going to be people that don't want to have to put up with it, you know. Uh, but if you don't, what happens is people go to parks and they smoke out people in the parks or they go to the alleys and they smoke in the alleys, which makes it look seedy. So it is a problem, um, just like it is with cigarette smoke. It's the same. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and or, so, or alcohol, for that matter, and I, too. Well, and I would imagine, you know, when you legalize it, you just double down on a problem if you haven't solved it already. Right. Uh, and that's why I don't understand why they couldn't just loop in cannabis with alcohol establishments and say – and I understand the whole smoking aspect, I guess. But if you're smoking, then you know you have a a, a garden area where it's allowed outside, yeah, or, or a different section like they yeah. used to do back in the day. Yeah, 
uh, Nevada. Yeah, you were you're talking about state of emergency. Yeah, I was laughing because I heard about that when I yeah, got back. To it's you. I was a, like, it, oh my god! It's a, it's a, it's essentially a state of emergency over the lack of pot. So they legalized pot on July first, and uh, it's been going well. Less than two weeks after sales kicked off of recreational marijuana, Nevada is now making an emergency regulation because there's not enough pot. Stores in Nevada running out due to unanticipated demand. <laughs> the regulation will allow more dispensaries to become licensed distributors, including liquor wholesalers. There you go. Now, I told you they're going to make way more money than they expected. See, at some point, the some point, the United States as a whole will have to just get in this because they're losing out on that sweet, oh, yeah. sweet revenue. Oh, yeah. And, and, and then allow intra, intrastate uh, commerce because right now... Cannabis that's, say, grown in Colorado where they may have a surplus, they can't sell it to Nevada. They can't sell it to Washington State. It's all locked into that state. It's also really awkward for people that, like, say, live on the Washington-Idaho border and people who, you know, live around Colorado. And now it's just – it's awkward. Well, we've covered those stories. You know, those neighboring states, they want more money because Mm -hmm. of all that illegal weed crossing their borders. It's just – it's just – there's going to be a point where they're just going to – it's like uh, red light cameras, traffic stops – Local governments, they just can't resist. The oh. money's too damn tempting. Oh, and Nevada okay. is raking it in. I think they're already about to blow past their entire annual projected revenue. Which we predicted yeah. on this show. Jeez. Mr. Chase, since yes, uh, people may be uh, departing, they yeah. may not uh, stick around for the overtime, right. which is fine. We understand right. you're a veggies, yeah. high-protein kind of person. Fair enough. You don't want the pie. Then you need to go to work it out. Maybe they're going to take off, and they're going to miss you for the next couple of weeks. Where can they find you? If people want to have some more chase in their face, follow me on Twitter, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. I also do a lot of game streaming over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash geekgamertv. So if you're bored next week and you're wondering where the show is, come join me. I'll be doing some streaming. Hmm. Now, Chris, you're going to be going to Montana, the Big Sky State. I assume that during your journey, you're going to be sharing some beautiful pictures, so maybe some haikus, if Make you will. It sounds so epic and dramatic. Where can people might. find this? You stuff? never know. You could find some of that at Chris Les on the Twitter at Chris Les. Also, there's a network Twitter account you can follow. Ooh. Yeah, that's Jupiter Signal. There's a calendar for this show when we're live, when we're doing it. You can kind of do the math and figure out when to expect an episode. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. But if you don't want to do the math, just subscribe to the RSS feed. Nice. Then if we take a week off and then when we come back, you don't have to worry about any of it. It just shows up in your podcatcher of choice. And also take this opportunity next week, instead of not having a show, what to just enjoy the world. Oh, I thought you were going to say reflect on a world with no one filter and then go to Patreon to make sure we never uh, go away. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, no. No, really, yeah. yeah Enjoy t- it. Yeah, yeah. Be- because, you know, having all this politics yeah. in your face all I should, the time. I should say, though, producer yeah. Matt, he's still going to be clipping oh, away. Oh, I know he so will. So if something breaks, we'll, Matt, have, we'll Matt, have it. You need to take a little break. Yeah. Just a little yeah. break. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week. Hello. You can stick around. Overtop's coming up just a little bit. Overtop. We'll see you back here in... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Got to get it right this time. got to get it right. Okay, in two, two weeks. Exaggerations of the show's death 
well, we're exaggerated. It's the overtime! Thank you to our six new subscribers over at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Thank you to David, Jose, Chris, Andrew, Ken, and Chad. You guys are helping us reach our goal to get to twice a week. We also have some new swag discounts for all of our patrons. Deep discount for our Club 33 patrons are trying out some new prototype stuff. Check out patreon.com slash unfiltered. We have so much to get into in the overtime. You remember now, those of you that are new, but for those of you who've been here a while, you remember, just a little recap, overtime, we fit extra stuff in that we couldn't quite fit in the main show, stuff that would have detracted from the main discussion, or things that give you additional context about stories we covered, or new threads that we want to track right here in the overtime. And one of my favorite segments... We've been going now strong for a while, is the O'Nancy segment. Grab your hashtag O'Nancy stickers, and let's get into this one. Here's Nancy Pelosi reassuring all of us that Chuck Schumer and herself are going to be the voices for winning back Congress in 2018. Your own agenda. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're about right now as we go forward with our, hopefully, a successful attempt to win the Congress. Same thing we did in 05 and 06. Republican president in the White House, Republican president in the White House. We're the voices, the Senate leader and I are the voices for winning those races in our House and the Senate. No, you are not. I mean, you think you are. But see, that's the problem. That's why you keep losing. And we're ready. What do you think about the 18? Do you think the Democrats will be able to take the House back or maybe yeah, the I Senate? Yeah, I think it's very possible. Yeah. No, I think the House is probably easier than the Senate. Right. But we want to win it both. We want to win governorships and we want to state houses. We want to win. A, uh, we want to have a clear, very clear message about uh, the Democrats, not mixed up in personality. Presidentials are more personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, congressional are more on issues and what they mean to people in their lives. So, in other words, they're gonna they're not gonna win elections until uh, she's been kicked out and Schumer's been kicked out because they they feel like there's no reason for them to step aside and allow somebody else to speak for the party to speak to the people to set the agenda, the tone, the message to raise the the money. Until that changes, uh, Chris's red book prediction is the Democrats keep losing. Of course. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they can strike a message that really resonates with people. Like she said, a presidential election is much more about personalities versus the uh, lower levels of government. That is true. But it, she's not helping her cause because she still seems to be completely out of touch with reality. I don't know if it's a health issue. I don't know if she's overworked. But it sure takes away her credibility every time that she calls Donald Trump President Bush by mistake. Everything we have seen so far, though, with the president has been about uh, – tax cuts for the rich. In fact, affecting California very directly is the Affordable Care Act. President uh, uh, Bush has come out against that, as you know, mm-hmm. and he has, and it is not even a health care bill. As you know, President Bush came out against that, as you know. Uh, Bush has come out against that. Who's that? I'm sorry, who was that? Care Act. President uh, uh, Bush has come out against that. As oh, President Bush. Um, okay. As you know, mm-hmm. 
and he has, and it is not even a health care bill. The Republican bill is not even a health care bill. It's a tax, it's a tax bill disguised as a health care bill mm-hmm. and wreaking terrible uh, damage on, on California because it attacks uh, uh, covered California, which is so successful. So he hasn't been our friend in California on that. He hasn't been our friend in California on climate. The health care. Nobody corrects her. Nobody says anything. She just continues on. She's completely unaware that she keeps calling the sitting president of the United States, the man that she's fighting tooth and nail to defeat, she keeps calling him Bush. What does that tell you? Is it dementia? Is it, it wouldn't matter who's in office, she'd be fighting like this? She skipped right over Obama. So it's obviously a Republican thing. It's like, that's the connection in her brain. At least in my mind. It's the same party, isn't it? I haven't uh, seen Maxine much lately. She seems to be staying out of the limelight. I wonder if it's because she doesn't want people talking about this story. Well, since we live in a world, <laughs> excuse me, You're excused. where pro wrestling references are now the very same thing as violent threats, one wonders what to make of remarks that California Congresswoman and progressive hero Maxine Waters re- recently made about HUD Secretary Ben Carson. During a speech on Saturday in New Orleans, Waters said that when Carson appears before her congressional committee, quote, I'm going to take his ass apart. Excuse me. Quote, Carson knows nothing about the mission of HUD. Waters continued. He doesn't care about people in public housing. He believes that if you are poor, it is your fault. And he doesn't know the difference between an immigrant and a slave. Whatever that means. Wow. Now, we've mocked Maxine Waters before in this show, but we should take her seriously on this subject. Congresswoman Waters is a confirmed expert on the question of housing, especially her own housing. Oh. Consider where she lives, in a 6,000-square-foot, $4.3 million mansion in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Now, how'd she afford a place like that after having spent the last 40 years working in government? We'd hate to speculate. How does she keep getting reelected despite not living in her own congressional district? No clue there either. The district Waters actually represents in Congress has the second highest percentage of African-American residents in the state of California. Now, the neighborhood where Waters actually lives is just 6% black, or as she might put it herself, if she didn't live there, it's segregated, like 1950s level segregated. And as we mentioned, it's really, really rich. So how did Maxine Waters pull off a housing coup like that? Who knows, but it almost qualifies her to be HUD secretary herself. (laughs) It's <laughs> a good line right there. I wonder if they know when they when they tease it out like that, but they just don't have the nuts to say it. How do you suppose, chat room? 4.3 million mansion. Somebody living in 280 square feet, that sounds pretty luxurious, I gotta say. <laughs> At least I pay for my health care, though. One of the biggest twerps on television right now has got to be Joe Scarborough. He's just so self-serving. He's such a narcissist. And uh, he's just loving all of the mileage he gets out of Donnie Trump. And it drives me crazy to watch him. So get your best cringe pants on and watch Scarborough just soak this attention up. It's gross. It's so gross. And the way he pretends like it's not a big deal. But of course he thinks it's a big deal because he's the one that created the story in the first place. What exactly is the Republican Party willing to do? How far are they willing to go? How much of this country and our values are they willing to sell out? 
Well, let's flip that around here for a second. I'm no conservative, so I'm just going to give it my best go here, but uh, I'm also no liberal, so let me see here. Uh, how far is the Liberal Party willing to go? They got in behind an established candidate who sabotaged the populist candidate that the people wanted, the people of their own party. How far are the Liberals willing to go when they're willing to completely go into bed with the CIA so that way they can cover their asses on how badly they lost an election? How deeply will the Liberals destroy our company to drag our entire federal government through bogus Russia investigations? How seriously misguided are the Liberals and their morals when they're willing to say anything to attack Donald Trump, even call him Bush? So you can flip it around. You see how it's a fun game to play? Try it yourself. What exactly is the Republican Party willing to do? How far are they willing to go? How much of this country and our values are they willing to sell out? But aren't you a Republican? Um, like that, you think maybe that question was coming, like maybe that was set up, like maybe they had like a little pre-interview chat, because if you don't, then you don't understand how these nighttime shows work. Out. But aren't you a Republican? Um, I am a Republican, but I'm not going to be a Republican anymore. I've, I've got to become an independent. And... If that man is a Republican, then uh, I am a pregnant woman. It's just as simple as that. I mean, I know he ran as a Republican for a while. I bet he was a Republican at some point. But when he took a job at MSNBC, he was no longer a Republican. Just that. Nothing more. It's just small news. Now, of course, the woman who's fucking him thinks this is huge news. She thinks this is a big deal. Nobody else thinks this is a big deal except for the people that want it to be. And Joe, at some level, is aware of that. So he's going to try to play Mr. Humble, even though he created this story. He helps create the lineup for the show he's on right now. He had a pre-interview with Colbert to stage the entire thing. So now, now, now he pretends like it's a non-story. That's big. No. You see? You see how he... No, no. That's big. No. No, it's not. I hate this man. What a disgusting narcissist. Also, he should get the Gobert guy that did his hair to do his hair for this show. Small news. That's big. No. No, it's not. Um, I, I think a lot of Republicans are feeling the same way. I mean, you still could, a conservative. It would be like if uh, I announced on a Mac podcast that I was dropping all Linux and was switching exclusively to iMac Pros or Apple hardware or iPads or something like that, and denounced open source and said, "What is the Linux community doing? These guys are idiots with their mini distributions. They can't keep focused on one thing. How far are they willing to destroy the desktop?" Why can't they get their act together? I'm switching to the Mac. Okay? So I go on a podcast and I say all of that. And then we come on Linux Unplugged the next day. And Wes is, so Chris, it's kind of a big deal that you're dropping Linux, huh? And then I say, no, 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 it's not. That makes me a douchebag. That would make me a douchebag. He is a douchebag. This is a douche thing to do. Nothing more. It's just small news. That's big. No, no, it's not. Uh, I mean, okay, all right. So anyways, we'll continue on. I mean, this is, I mean, I can't believe he hasn't done this sooner, to be honest with you. It's kind of a little, a little late coming, and it's a brilliant little piece of PR. Um, I, I think a lot of Republicans are feeling the same way. I mean, you Still could, a conservative. You, you apologize for your party for so long, and you hope that Republicans, when they get into power, are going to balance the budget, are going to... Which they, when's the last time they've done that? Answer me. When's the last, who the... 
actually expects the Republicans to do that. When's the last time they did that? Take care of entitlements as far as reforming entitlements. That's exactly what Trump wants to do. Sounds like they're trying to do that. Making sure that Medicare and Social Security is around. That's actually, I think, more of a liberal platform thing. You hope that they're going to push for education reform and give parents, uh, all parents, an opportunity to let their kids go to the schools that they want them to go to. You what, is, what does that mean? You hope that they're going to do the things that they promised to do. And... Well, I would, I, would, I would argue that they're attempting to destroy health care just like they promised to do. They're attempting to give tax cuts to the rich just like they promised to do. They're attempting to destroy net neutrality just like we knew they would. They're promising to bomb in Syria and Afghanistan just like they said they would. So far, pretty much living up to exactly the Republican platform as it is today. So what are you missing here, Joe? You know, when George Bush became president of the United States and Republicans owned Washington, D.C., uh, they doubled the national debt. $155 billion surplus. And you said nothing. Became a trillion dollar debt deficit. Uh, they engaged in Wilsonian uh, foreign policy and they promised when they got in power again that things would change. It hasn't changed. They didn't promise that, actually. They promised they would keep doing that. And now... A $20 trillion debt's going to become a $30 trillion debt. Which Obama contributed a crap ton to. Uh, they, they can't pass tax reform to make us more competitive. They can't do anything. And they're kowtowing to somebody... Uh, who is who inexplicably uh, shows them no loyalty whatsoever. Now, I, I find this to be two possible things. Number one, it could be very positive, actually, overall, in totality. Or number two, it could be used to undermine Bernie Sanders. So let's go with the first one. Number one, this adds another loud voice to the independent party, which is uh, that is probably a good thing, given the current political climate, having people in the having more legitimacy given to the independent party could be a good thing come 2018, but especially uh, 2020. Sorry if you can hear the weed whacker in the background. They literally uh, are just weed whacking behind the studio right now. Uh, hopefully it's not too bad. Anyways, number two, though, this is the one I'm a little more worried about, is if they use it to sort of cast doubt upon Bernie Sanders via, well, look at the spread of the independent party. They're as bad as libertarians. They're, you have the whole range from Joe Scarborough to Bernie Sanders, and you just don't know where to go. You don't know which one's your Pepsi and which one's your Coke, and it just leaves the poor voter so confused. I, so I could see that becoming a meme as well. So this is – it's interesting to see where this goes. It does get more people saying the word independent party though. Uh, it shows them no loyalty whatsoever. I just – I don't know how people continue to be uh, supportive of this president or this party until they return to first principles. Now I, I – uh, funny because it's like on the surface you got to agree with everything he's saying. Uh, except for these things haven't bothered him since Bush Jr. was in office until it's Trump. This tells me it's more to do with their spat with Trump than it is actual Morning Joe's morals and principles. I mean, he is sitting on an MSNBC talk show, one of the largest morning liberal talk shows. And in reality, it's maybe more independence that we need because Americans are just frustrated. They, I think a portion, this is me guessing, but I think a portion of them elected Donald Trump because they wanted anybody but the establishment, even if it meant breaking the damn place and draining the swamp, quote unquote. Or they wanted Bernie because they wanted anybody but Hillary or a Republican that just wanted more wars. They wanted somebody in there that was going to change things because – a shit ton of them need their lives to improve. There's a lot of people out of work, and this is playing a big role in this populist movement. 
So the founder of America Works writing an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal this week arguing that it's time to take decisive action to get able-bodied Americans off the couch. As of May of this year, 94.9 million Americans were not in the labor force. That includes those who may not want jobs, like students or retirees. 127.9 million people were either unemployed part-time employed or out of the labor force, and that number represents nearly 50% of working age Americans. Charles Payne is the host of Making Money with Charles Payne on the Fox Business Network. Okay, if you dove deeper into this article, what you saw, the argument that the left always makes for when we see this low labor force participation that has been plaguing us. They say this is because of a demographic change in our country and that we have all these baby boomers retiring. This refutes this. Um, it, it talks about young people, nearly three-fifths of non-working men receive disability. 41% of the non-disabled adults on Medicaid do not have a job. Um, and it goes through the number of People who are the labor force participation rate for men 25 to 54 working age is lower now than it was at the end of the Great Depression. Yeah, and, and, and ironically, even though we have an older population, uh, 55 plus their participation rate has been climbing. I mean, go to a, a McDonald's or something right. and you'll see, whoa, you know, someone that uh, could, could perhaps be your grandparent or something. Here's a real story. Uh, we do have a crisis in this country and we have a crisis where we are paying people not to work. It is just too, you make too much money and you are simply too comfortable and you do not have to go out there and work. And it's baffling all of the experts. At this very moment, there are six million job openings. We, people aren't even quitting jobs to go get those jobs. And you, we talk about skills gaps and those sort of things. All of that plays a role. But the fact is, two things I'm, I see, and, and the, the paying people not to work also with younger men, there's a phenomena out there, and, and it's already happened in Japan. It began in Japan over 10 years ago. They call it the grass eater movement, where these young men simply do not want to work and would rather stay at home and play video games. Oh. <laughs> oh, let's hear it again. That was good, right? Let's do it again. Where these young men simply do not want to work and would rather stay at home and play video games. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it when they do that. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, there is truth that lies beneath. But what comes to the surface is Fox News propaganda. And it's... You know, I guess, you know, you make a black man say it and all of a sudden it's fine. I'm not exactly sure why they can just get away with saying crap like, well, you know, the problem with the kids today is they just want to play video games. You know what? Can I collectively say, fuck you, dude. That is so ridiculous. That's like that's like saying don't get an iPhone and, and pay for health care. This is the most insulting crap that comes out of their mouths. What you have here, I believe, is a multifaceted problem. Obviously, population changes and demographics play a part of it. But you also have a massive recession that we haven't actually recovered from in the way that matters to the middle class. Oh, sure, the banks have recovered and the insurance companies have recovered. and The auto companies are doing better for sure. And different sectors are doing better. And, of course, through quantitative easing, we've solved a lot of problems that were on the books. And what's everybody's problem? Well, none of that helped the middle class. None of that really did anything for us. In fact, I have less money than I ever had. I've, I am now paying a ton of money for health insurance that I haven't used in years because I'm too busy working my ass off to just make my way. 
And I think that reflects a lot of people. And there's a good group of people out there that look at this and go, that is a scam. I am not wasting the best years of my life grinding myself away as a cog in somebody else's machine so that way I can pay rent or mortgage on a place that just forces me to go to work and afford it. The video games is a symptom of literally having nothing else to do and people looking for challenges and rewards and achievements when there's very left that is easily achievable for them. I'm not saying that's true for all gamers, but I'm saying this is a really large problem. And this guy with his little flower button and his crazy-ass bow tie or uh, tie and his overblown white shirt is sitting here saying that it's the damn millennials' fault and it's simply that, you know, we we have these entitlement programs that essentially pay their way. It's really one-sided analysis. Men simply do not want to work and would rather stay at home and play video games. It sounds far-fetched, but it is absolutely not. A report out by the National Bureau of Economic Research just two days ago underscores this. It's absolutely amazing. I'll give you a key stat here. Recreational computer time is up 45%. See, they pretend like uh, the, the cause and causation are there, – there is not a causation and a cause here. There is – well, I guess there – actually, no, because I'm, I'm about to make the same sin. Well, here, let, me give you my, let me give you my causation. A lot of people have free time on their hands and video games are a cheap form of entertainment that doesn't cost gas. doesn't mean you go out and spend 50 bucks on a movie. You don't end up on a bar blowing a bunch of money on beer and eating a bunch of food that, is too, that isn't good for you anyways. It's a cheap form of entertainment that keeps you from going crazy because there's nothing out there that fulfills you work-wise. For this group, overall leisure time is up only 4%. Oh. They don't go to work. They stay at home and play video games. Yeah. Oh, and then they managed to take this depressing situation that many Americans find themselves in, where the only outlet they have to have goals, achievements, to have a social community that supports them and doesn't judge them, they ridicule them. And they pretend it's the cause and not the symptom. It's just horrible. It's just and it's so obvious what they're doing. And this is why they don't have any credibility. I honestly, Token Ring, you know, if I didn't do this, I I would probably be one of them. And that's why I can I can totally understand it. I I made a lot more money doing IT contracting. I at times could charge 135 to 145 if it was an emergency, an hour. And I worked all day long, every day. I don't know if I've ever shared actually how much money I've charged my clients. But you have to understand. I left because I found the work completely unfulfilling. And I would rather struggle and do something that I find creatively fulfilling, personally fulfilling, worth my time. I would rather struggle and do that work that I have I have that I believe in than go fix people's Windows XP computers. I just really reached a point where I'm like, I just can't I don't care how much I'm charging these people because I would just keep raising the rates and they would just keep paying. New client, new, new, new price, no problem. Oh, okay. Well, I can't say no to that, can I? Except for it got to a point where it was starting to really affect my health. It was starting to affect my emotional stability. It was just something that I just, I knew. Plus, and on top of all of that, I was podcasting still. Because I was doing this and podcasting. So I, at one point, legitimately had essentially three jobs. 
And we had kids. So four jobs. Something had to give. And I knew it it couldn't be the podcasting. So it had to be the work. And that just meant life changes. And uh, and really now it's at a point where uh, maybe financially I don't like sit home and sit here and make a bunch of money and can't really have much flexibility. But you know, there are benefits to having a a public platform, to having a to having a large, awesome audience. So to me, it's a very fulfilling type of work. And if it, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine doing anything else less fulfilling. And I just think at a certain point, people stop believing in the quote unquote American dream that we've all been promised. If we just work real hard, we'll get ahead. And the harder you work, the further you get ahead. Because I've talked to a lot of people who did that for like their twenties. You know, they got out of they got out of school. They just immediately went to work. They got married. They got a house. They got kids. <clears throat> a couple of cars. Got a mortgage. Couple of car payments. Maybe you got like an extra loan based on the mortgage too, so that way you could buy new appliances. You know, people do these things, and then they really get in deep, and they go, "Well, holy shit! Why why did I do this? Whose whose plan was I following? This wasn't my plan." This is just, I guess I was just kind of on autopilot. This is just what I was supposed to be doing. I was just doing what I was supposed to do. And then you realize that you're working your ass off, killing yourself, and you're in your 30s. I've talked to so many people when I'm traveling in the RV at other RV places. People our age, there's so many people out there that were like, geez, I just realized I was doing this for the wrong reasons, and I just had a big reevaluation of my life, and I made changes. <clears throat> like people, I think, are having midlife crises earlier because the American dream wears off earlier because it's not working for people, especially when you're paying thousands of dollars for car insurance and health insurance and house insurance and ins- mortgage insurance, and then you're still paying out of pocket for things like dental and sometimes other obvious health things. Like for myself, I think I... I think I have a $5,000 deductible. In other words, I spend I, I, I spend $5,000 of my own money out of pocket before my health insurance coverage kicks in. I can't remember if it's five or two because I haven't used it for years. Because I, I can't spend. That's just, that, makes it, that makes it immediately uh, unreachable for me. Because I'll tell you what, if I had $5,000, you know what I would do is I'd go set up solar panels on my RV so that way I could power my house. That's what I would – I would get a washer and dryer for God's sakes if I had $5,000. I would get a freaking washer and dryer. That would change my life if I had $5,000. So if my deductible – it just it doesn't work. Who believes this crap anymore? Nobody believes it. It's all a lie. And then And then once you even try to use the coverage, it's just horrible. So it's not video games that are causing people not to work. It's that the system's totally wrecked. <clears throat> It's perceivably corrupt from the outside. Like we can, we can outwardly see how corrupt the system is just as people that are outside the bubble. We can see how corrupt it is. So we can only imagine how corrupt it is internally. So we know that's the, just a hellhole, D.C. We see the money wasted on the military. All of us see it. It's not like it's a hidden secret. It's not a secret that the U.S. has the largest military in the world. All of its citizens know that. So we know money's being wasted. We know it is intrinsically. You grow up as a U.S. citizen. You know that money is being wasted at unbelievable, almost incomprehensible levels. The conspiracy theorists, liberal, right wing, middle of the road, doesn't matter your your alignments. These are all truths that we hold 
together. We all hold these truths to be self-evident. So nobody's buying this American dream crap anymore. So unless you get a good job and you start getting some traction and you just stick with it, you then some people are staying employed. But there's a lot of people looking around going, it's not working for me. It doesn't work for me. I'm glad it works for them, but it's not working for me. And I, when you look at the jobs that are available, it's understandable. It is completely understandable. And until that problem is fixed, <clears throat> guess what? It's going to continue to get worse. Just like until Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Adam Schiff and those dirtbags are out of the Democratic Party, they're just going to continue to lose elections. The two might be connected. Uh, the Pentagon, it seems, is increasing the level of secrecy around its nuclear weapons inspections, according to the Associated Press News Agency. Safety and security uh, reports had previously been made available to the public, but not now. The uh, U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff say a new layer of secrecy is necessary. We are comfortable with the secrecy. For as long as nuclear weapons exist, the U.S. will maintain a safe, secure and effective nuclear stockpile. However, transparency campaigners say the move goes beyond U.S. national security concerns. They fear it's all about covering up incompetence. There have been a few lapses in the past. Here's a reminder of them. Oh, I like these montages, but they don't work so well for audio, I realize. They have some clips, <clears throat> but you know what? Probably would be better just leaving the supporter sink if you want. I think this whole thing about hiding our nuke th- nukes, though, is not that surprising. Let's stay on the whole military thread, though. McCain got his uh, got his blood pressure up. You got to be careful, McCain. And uh, it was over something that Rex Tillerson, your uh, Secretary of State and uh, good friend, said about Syria. Now he's been saying a lot of stuff about Syria, about maybe implying we should have a little more cooperation. Been talking, still been talking about a no-fly zone. Still likes the idea of a no-fly zone, which I would think McCain would like. But, you know, no equivocation. We never want to cooperate with Russia. It's inconceivable. All about. Let me go back overseas. There uh, you go. I want to ask you about you Syria. Um, let's listen to something that Secretary of State Tillerson said about the Russians who have interests in Syria and the United States. Let's listen to the secretary. Man, for John McCain, somebody who has been in office for, um, I think, just a couple of years. He's kind of a new guy. He's an up-and-comer. He... He's really in an awkward position because I got to imagine in his entire reign as empire over, or as emperor over the Senate, the, he, he's never been this conflicted with his own party's president. He hates all of these guys. By and large, our objectives are exactly the same. Russia and the U.S. How we get there, we each have a view. And maybe they've got the right approach and we've got the wrong approach. Now, mind you, he never even said Russia. He never even said Russia, and there's some good reasons why he might have that opinion, but oh boy. Do the Russians have the right approach? You can't approach? make that up. You can't make that up. You can't make it up, guys. These are the same people that use precision-guided weapons to strike hospitals in Aleppo. Remember when we were doing that, though? Where sick and wounded people are. This is just, you know... I, I, how dare, how dare he suggest cooperation, McCain goes on to say. How dare he? Because, you know, those Russians, they strike hospitals and they're just sloppy. Those Russians are sloppy. Up to 5,800 civilians may have been killed by Iraqi and U.S.-led coalition forces. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? 5,805 civilians. 
by U.S. and Iraqi. Um, oh shit! In the last four months during the battle for Mosul, that's the latest. Just just in four months. Estimate from human rights organization Amnesty International. You mean the ones that we quote all the time? In its new report, the group says pro-government forces relied upon imprecise weapons during the liberation of West Mosul and ignored the growing number of civilian deaths. Oh. It also claims pro-Baghdad troops appear to have repeatedly violated international humanitarian law, uh, something that may amount to war crimes. Man, that sounds a little sloppy. That sounds a little sloppy. And, you know, it's that report comes at a time when the Russians just sort of got a huge win potentially in Syria, which really kind of makes McCain's comments look extra ridiculous. Welcome back. President Trump called and congratulated the Iraqi prime minister today on the liberation of Mosul by the security forces there, calling it a major milestone in the fight against ISIS. And there's also word today that the leader of ISIS may be dead. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights says it has confirmed Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi has been killed. What? But the top American commander of our fight against the terror network can't verify whether it's true. Yeah, well, Russia's been making this claim for weeks, actually. Uh, They've been saying that they killed them in an airstrike back in May. So uh, being that the United States, as I mentioned earlier, does have the largest military on the planet with unbelievable resources, you got, uh, of course, a lot of birds up in space, you got birds in the air, you got drones, and then 17 intelligence agencies at the apparatus of the U.S. government ready to be used by the Pentagon in a moment's notice. So surely they were tracking the infamous Baghdadi. Surely they had constant watch on Baghdadi and knew where he was and watched the moment he was murdered. Surely the world's largest network of five eyes was someone in this network that shares information between all five eyes nations saw something. I don't have a clue. What? Simple as that. So... Don't know if he's alive. Don't know if he's dead. I don't know where he's alive. I don't know where his dead body is. I don't have a clue. I don't know where he's alive. I don't know where his dead body is. What? What was that again? Uh, I got to hear that again because that just seems. I don't have a clue. Uh huh. Simple as that. Okay. So, don't know if he's alive. Okay. Don't know if he's dead. I don't know where he's alive. I don't know where his dead body is. I don't have a clue. Russia claimed it killed al-Baghdadi in an airstrike near the Syrian city of Raqqa in May. I could listen to that uh, Lieutenant General Stephen Townsend all day. What? What kind of... What kind of, Is that a... That's sexist. That is a sexist... Uh, anyways, so, you know, here's McCain incensed at the idea that perhaps they should work together. Incensed. But yet, things have really changed since Russia entered over there. And now, potentially, they've killed Baghdadi. Well, I'm just saying. Just hashtag saying. Remember we talked about James Comey's testimony and about how he copiously documented his conversations with Donald Trump in memos that he then distributed amongst the FBI. And when we talked about it, we we asked, you know, for a brief moment, are these leaks? There's no way James Comey would write classified information in these memos and then share them with the press, right? And we just assumed, no, I mean, he's savvy. He's a lawman. He knows that line. Well, maybe we weren't too far off with that question. 
you can't just have this conversation as the FBI director with the president of the United States and then decide to go ahead and take those materials when you leave and give them to your buddy with the purpose of giving them to a, a reporter so that there is ultimately a special prosecutor. Does that smell right? It does not. There's a lot of smoke there. Do you think he broke the law? Potentially. He, I, I think he's, there's a real potential. Now, it will in part depend on the content of those, but why are they not sharing with Congress? Why not just, if they're unclassified, why not just make them immediately available? Why is the special prosecutor having to hold on to these? i got to believe that there probably is some classified information. Uh, last point on this. There is a hearing tomorrow for James Comey's replacement. Mm -hmm. guy by the name of Christopher Ray, age 50. Do you know him? I do not know him. Heard great things, but I do not know him. Do do you know what questions senators will be driving at tomorrow during this hearing? Uh, look, they're going to talk about their ability to interact, what, how truthful will they be. Actually, uh, tomorrow is today in the land of uh, unfiltered land. Uh, here is a little bit from that nominee hearing. Last quick question. Will you commit to informing this committee if you witness or learn of any efforts to interfere with the work of special counsel Mueller? Assuming that I can do it legally and appropriately, absolutely. I'm very committed to uh, supporting Director Mueller in the special counsel investigation in whatever way is appropriate for me to do that. I've worked closely with Director Mueller in my past government service. I view him as the consummate straight shooter and somebody I have enormous respect for, and I would be pleased to do what I can to support him uh, in his mission. So when he says that he works with, he's worked with Mueller in the past, uh, it's interesting uh, how he's worked with Mueller in the past. It's, uh, well, I don't know, maybe he decided not to go into extra detail there, but uh, he and Mueller were working together on the government's response to 9-11. And uh, it, there's a great NPR report on it that I don't know if I've tagged for the show notes or not, because I think I might have heard it. Um, streaming. And in this N NPR report, they talk about uh, how he worked to help roll back a lot of citizens' privacy protections and other things like that. So uh, he's on the inside club, just like Mueller was, who uh, also benefited from many years of extend uh, extensions to his FBI director term. He, re he, was, uh, he stayed in office for quite a while after 9-11 through a couple of presidencies and uh christopher ray here is one of the guys he worked with during 9-11 it's interesting especially because of what their duties were what i'm asking is if you learn about any machinations to tamper with that machinations i love it that you let this committee know understood thank you <laughs> oh it's a little awkward wasn't it you. If you want to say more, I'm happy well, I, to hear. Senator, I would consult with the appropriate officials. Anytime I'm talking to this committee, I would consult with the appropriate officials to make sure that I'm not jeopardizing investigation or anything like that. But I would consider an effort to tamper with Director Mueller's investigation to be unacceptable and inappropriate and would need to be dealt with very uh, sternly and appropriately indeed. Well, there you go. That's what she wants to hear. That's all she wants to hear. Now, uh, there's a little uh, little bit of Trump classic trivia out there. You, some people wonder, you know, how, how much has Trump changed over the years? Some people think he's changed a lot. I kind of think he, he's kind of always been the same old guy. Uh, in fact, I found some interesting footage here where it's just 
It's classic Donald Trump. This is from a 1990s CNN interview where he walks out on the interviewer. People say something false. I attack those people because the news gets away with murder. The news media, they get away with murder. It's tough in terms of libel laws because the media is so protected and it's ridiculous that they're so protected, but they can write virtually anything. The difference is with me, at least they pay some price. And I think more people should have that attitude, and I think you'd find a lot more accurate reporting, including yours. What was inaccurate so far? Uh, I thought your demeanor was inaccurate. Demeanor? I that questions that uh, you were posing to people in my organization were uh, inaccurate and uh, false and unfair. Well, questions by definition can't be inaccurate. They're qu- oh! Questions. Well, I think, I think the questions themselves were put in such a way that that made them statements, and they became statements as opposed to questions, and I think that's not good reporting. Such as? It doesn't matter. I mean, I don't, I don't think your viewers would be very interested in it. Nor- this is it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, so they're talking about uh, him, him going after reporters for fake news, essentially, and uh, it gets more awkward. You think it's already awkward. It gets worse. Um, uh, what we talked about yesterday, um, those in... By the way, he just looked over and just did a little... <laughs> This guy, this guy right here, he's looking over at one of his staff members, uh, probably like his scheduler or a handler of his. I believe it's one of his employees who you'll see a little bit later here when they uh, zoom out. No, I don't think I would be, but let's, let, let's, let's talk about the, uh, what we talked about yesterday. Um, those in the financial community I'm talking about, and we talked about this on the phone, uh, who have said, and this is them saying it, not me. Uh, this is them what do you mean by them? This is one or two people, and what about the positive people? Five or six, but the ones who, who said negative things and... Here we uh, are. Well, we've got to talk back about to, Back to the negative. Back to the negative. Back to the negative. Uh, you know what? Do, you, do, do this interview with somebody else. Well, we talked about this yesterday on the phone. This is exactly the, what we talked do about. Do the interview with somebody else. But we did a pre-interview, Donald, and I told you I was going to ask these questions. We did a pre-interview. This is how this always works. There's always a pre-interview, even for local news. For local news, there's a pre-interview. Really? Yeah, you don't need this. Do it with somebody else. Have a good time with it. He just set the lavalier microphone down on uh, the table, and he says, here, do it with somebody else. Now, you can still kind of hear him because the mic still picks him up a little bit. Yeah, you don't need this. Do it with somebody else. Have a good time with it. Because, frankly, you're a very negative guy, and uh, I think it's very unfair reporting. Good luck. I disagree with you. Sorry you feel that way. There's nothing that we can discuss on the phone, Donald. And then uh, his gal just kind of shrugs. Well, well, that's Donald. That's Donald, I guess. So there you go. <laughs> you know, I don't blame either, though. Like, why give them the interview? If, they're not, if it doesn't go the way you want, they don't give them ammo. Let's, let's play a little shift. This guy is the uh, ranking member of the big investigation into the Russia meddling. This guy. This guy is the top dog. He's the Democrats' number one man, and he's hoping to walk away with some serious party power after this entire investigation wraps up. This is really important for Schiff. There's a lot of moving pieces in his party, and if he nails this, he's set for life politically. So this is a very important 
important investigation for Adam Schiff. So he's going to be up to date and current on everything. Because this is one of the most important moments in his political career. It is the most important. It's not one of it is. In fact, you should look at what a Schiff, what Schiff really has done before this. It's sort of adorable. So that's why I, it gives me some pause when he can't even get the basic lingo right about critical aspects, critical aspects of the investigation. Uh, the president uh, also tweeted again about the DNC server. Here's what he said again this morning. Questions were asked about why the CIA and FBI had to ask the DNC 13 times for their server and were rejected, still don't have it. Can you clear this up, uh, Congressman? Did the DNC actually refuse to turn over its server to the FBI during the 2016 election when they were hacked? Now, okay, so, you know, uh, Schiff has to pretend like he is the unbiased investigator here. He's uh, Woody the sheriff, the lawman, uh, doing his uh, Woody's Roundup investigation. And he can't help himself but demonstrate that he's a political hack. And before he answers the question, which is a que- which the answer is awkward, it's, yeah, they didn't hand it over, he has to first take a little political jab. Uh, you know, first of all, Dana, I'm not sure what the president is saying there. Is he saying that questions were asked at the G20 about the DNC server? I find that hard to believe. But on the merits of it, this is one of the issues that we're looking into. Uh, was there a request by the FBI uh, for the DNC server? Was there reluctance by the DNC to give it over? Comey has testified as such. The only thing that we have seen publicly so far, and again, we, we still need to probe beyond this, is Director Comey's testimony that what they got was essentially... Now, this is the part that my jaw dropped. Right here is the moment. This is this is not just like a detail, like, did you get Hillary's extra iPad? This is like 100% key to the entire Russia hacking investigation. The whole DNC server stuff is super critical to this. It's a linchpin of the entire story. So this is really something that he should be honed in on because... I can't. I literally can't think of maybe more than a few other things that could be possibly be more important about this investigation. Is Director Comey's testimony that what they got was essentially uh, the blueprint of the server from a very credible cybersecurity firm that satisfied the FBI's needs? Uh, so I still want to test that. A blueprint. A blueprint. A blueprint. Credible cybersecurity firm. That satisfy the FBI's needs. Uh, so I still want to test that uh, testimony, uh, but this is something we, we will get to the bottom of. But again, it doesn't excuse what the Russians did. You don't blame the victim for the hack. Uh, no matter what kind of uh, security precautions the DNC took. It doesn't excuse what the Russians did. Past tense. Sounds like the investigator has already reached a conclusion before the investigation's over, doesn't it? Uh, but... This is something we we will get to the bottom of. So he first starts with an attack on Trump. He briefly addresses the DNC answer with a kind of non-answer, even fumbles the description, a blueprint. What a moron. And then he goes back to a deferral to bring it back to Russia. This guy is a political hack in a suit with a toe face, like, like, yeah, like Ten says in the chat room, this guy's got a toe face, and he's sitting there essentially couching a non-answer with political attacks. Something we, we will get to the bottom of. But again, it doesn't excuse what the Russians did. You don't blame the victim for the hack. 
no matter what. And he's kind of making a rape reference right there. That's that is you don't blame the victim. I think we all know where that comes from. That is low. Well, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Another day, another installment in the Russian election soap opera. This one, an unexpected plot twist. Earlier today, Donald Trump Jr. released an email exchange he had last summer with an English publicist named Ron Goldstone. Now, Goldstone had offered Trump a meeting with a Russian lawyer called Natalia Veselnitskaya. Pronounce that twice. He claimed she had incriminating information about Hillary Clinton's dealings with Russia. Now, Don Trump took the bait and met with Veselnitskaya some weeks later, though he complained later that she had nothing interesting to say during the meeting and instead just talked about Russian adoption law. Goldstone, meanwhile, emailed Trump Jr. to claim, without offering any evidence to support it, that the Russian government supported his father, Donald Trump's presidential campaign. So after he does this rundown here, and it's it's not bad, and it goes on, and he, he actually he makes some pretty funny points in there. Uh, he brings on uh, Dilbert Ryder. Um, what's the Dilbert Ryder's name, chat room? Scott Adams. He brings on, thank you. Yeah, he brings on uh, Scott Adams to talk with him about it. And uh, that was an interesting interview. Scott's a little dry. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I could play it if you guys want to hear it. I think I still have it on here. I don't think I removed it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. If you guys want to hear it, I could play it for you. But he brings on Scott Adams and, uh, they talk about, uh, the story. And of course, Scott is going to have a pro-Trump stance. So, uh, that doesn't probably isn't too surprising. Democrats keep hammering Donald Trump on Russia in the 2016 election. Their entire cable channels devoted to detailing every twist and turn of that story. But cartoonist Scott Adams says this is simply playing into the president's hands. It's good for him in the end. Scott Adams is the creator, of course, of the comic strip Dilbert, author of the book Win Bigly, which is coming out in October. He spent the last two years writing extensively and presciently about the persuasive style of Donald Trump, explaining why he seems to keep winning despite repeated setbacks. Scott Adams joins us tonight. Scott, thanks a lot for coming on. You are the king of counterintuition. Um, why is the <laughs> Russian stuff good for Trump, do you think? Well, look at the uh, story arc so far. If you're on the left, especially if you were a Bernie supporter, you started out with, yay, Bernie's going to fix everything. Well, that didn't work out, but at least we have Hillary. And then that didn't work out. But at least we have this accusation that we accidentally somehow elected Hitler without noticing it. And we'll march in the streets and that will get rid of him. But that sort of didn't work out because the president stopped doing anything that wasn't presidential. He just sort of did what presidents do. And so they, they had this Russian thing, and they were throwing everything at it, trying to get the, uh, if there's enough smoke, there must be some fire there going, but it just seemed like it was mostly smoke. But until recently, it was sort of working a little bit, and then Tillerson did uh, this incredible reframing, where he said after the G20, he said, we're going to focus on the future and moving forward. And what that did was it redefined the, the left, their opponents, as the zombie lawyers were focusing on the past while the, while the administration is working on fixing North Korea and ISIS and healthcare and all these Im- important things while the zombie lawyers are looking for maybe a, maybe a family member had, a, had an error on some paperwork. So that's, that's what they're reduced to is, yeah, I don't think you filled out that form right. <laughs> what's, a zo- what's a zombie lawyer? 
Well, you know, if you have enough lawyers and you can't stop them, there's just, you know, they're, they're more being hired and they're more coming at you. It, it doesn't feel like they have a, a living purpose. It just feels like there's some force you can't stop, but they're not doing anything useful. <laughs> I'm laughing because, like most of our viewers, I think I have lived that scenario <laughs> repeatedly. So um, the news today that Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with a lawyer from Russia whose connections to the Kremlin are unclear, may not exist, I don't know, and they talked, or he thought they were going to talk about dirt on Hillary Clinton. Does that it dominate the news today completely? Give us some perspective on that. Is that a, is that a big story or no? So well, let me give you some context that ordinary people don't know, that celebrities, you know, people who do what you and I do, know, and Don Trump Jr. knows. One is that we meet a lot of people. And if you ask me to fill out, you know, how many people do you know who were born in England in the last 20 years that you talked to? I, you know, the last two years, I, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? Uh, but the other thing is that, that the, the key to this story is a British publicist, I understand. Yes. Now, if ever, there was, if ever there was anybody you could invent for a movie who was supposed to be the least credible person you could ever <laughs> concoct that is in your life... It would be, how about a British publicist? How about that? Now, now, if a regular person hears from a publicist, hey, we got this thing going, they probably think, well, there's something to it. If you're Don Jr. and you live in this world and a British publicist says, I got something, somebody to talk to, the only thing you really think of is, well, I'll find out what they have to say because everything that this guy said not so credible, right? <laughs> so I can't imagine that he was going into the meeting thinking that what the publicist told him was actually accurate because it would be the first time a publicist ever said something accurate because it's not their job. Their job <laughs> is to exaggerate. All right, there you go. All right, so we got to wrap up the overtime. I got to get out of here. I got more stuff, as always, in the show notes. There is a, uh, a funny Chris Christie confrontation. I'll just play a moment of it. Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. you put your fat in the car and go to hey. one that's open to all your constituents. Uh, well, you know, not just you and yours. Interesting, Mike. You know what? That What's beach, that? that? What's beach, that, Gov? You know, Mike, I love, I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Communists in Montclair. <laughs> you know, You're a bully, you Gov. And I don't like bullies. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You might have also heard it was kind of trending on YouTube for a couple of days even that Kelly Ann Conway went on the uh, Como show, the uh, the morning CNN Como show. And it was like a 38-minute or 32-minute, I can't remember, uh, debate essentially. I think she was only supposed to be on there for one segment and they just ran and ran and ran. And so uh, there's a lot to take away, but essentially, at the end of the day, nothing new. So I just got some of the best bits for you. Kelly Ann Conway, counselor to the president, joining us now. Did CNN say he wasn't going to mention it all, or didn't they? Oh, they did. Aren't you the least bit reluctant, if not embarrassed, that you now talk about Russia more than you talk about America? Kelly Ann, this there? matters. I think America matters. Russia. Keep on saying opposition research the way you guys constantly vomit words like collusion. I frankly think it was it was more punditry than reporting. I admire your moxie sitting there with the CNN Chiron right near you talking about credibility issues. I now. So oh, man. Argument. So unnamed sources are okay for you on Comey, but not okay for you anywhere else, huh? 
I didn't say that. I mean, it was actually there. Excuse me. You don't know what I care about. Didn't you feel the least bit embarrassed? I don't even know what that means. I don't understand why you believe that bashing CNN is going to help. I'm not bashing CNN. I'm not here to bash CNN. I don't do that. You don't want to cover that. It's just not true. You want you don't want to cover the tangible thing. That's a false premise. I test power and I take the consequences. Every damn day. Know where I went to find damaging negative information about Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton. The this junior is why says he met with her because she had bad information on Clinton. Donald Trump. Where's infrastructure your infrastructure plan? Initiative. Where's your tax policy it's, plan? As soon as they come out, we'll discuss them. You're kidding, right? Uh, the stock market loves and this we, president. And we the reported The economy it. is humming. I don't know, because he doesn't talk about them, the and you guys don't exactly. come on to talk about it. Yes, he did. You, you, your people say you have to go, to by the way. So you make sure that the White House press office doesn't yell at me. Go ahead. Stop being so sensitive. Tell whatever six versus one anti-Trump panel. Yeah, it just keeps going. It just keeps going it's still going yeah it's still going yeah oh yeah it's still going in fact it goes for about another uh, 40 seconds if you want to see the entire clip in the supporters sync thank you to our patrons for making the overtime possible for keeping us on the air if you've enjoyed the show please consider contributing to the community at unfilter.reddit.com in the future it will be back so stay tuned because we will need a whole new community over there. We also have Telegram groups in the works. We've got the unfiltered chat room, which are active right now. All that stuff is in the works. Plus, we have that limited time swag. You can find out more for everybody, everybody at patreon.com slash unfiltered for everybody. That's for everybody. Thanks for joining us.